Hello, everybody. This is Joseph Asik, and welcome to the Fired Up Network. Welcome to the flagship show of the Fired Up Network, Fired Up Live. We got an outstanding show for you tonight. Of course, we're going to begin the show with Courtney Riddle, the Renaissance Mama, followed by tomorrow. There's a big, big day. And I got to say this, all right? I got to say this. Today, the flagship show, Fired Up Live of the Fired Up Network, is going to be about three hours, 7 to 10 p.m. Tomorrow, NHL trade deadline. TSN has it. Sportsnet has it. We, as the number three and number one independent company in Canada, we have the NHL trade deadline covered. We're going to begin at 9.30 a.m. We're going to go to about 5.36 p.m. That means... In the in the next twenty four hours, yours truly, ow ow, yours truly, will be going on the air for about eleven or twelve out of the twenty four hours. Nobody, but nobody, in independent sports entertainment company, does that, but the Fired Up Network, and a part of the Fired Up Network, of course, is Fem. Female Empowerment Movement. And we're going to begin, like I said, tonight's show, like always, with Courtney Riddell, the Renaissance Mama. Hi, friends. I'm Courtney. I'm a performer, speaker, and a writer. I'm a mama to three crazy boys and a super sweet dog. I decided 12 years ago that I needed to create a business that worked for me instead of me working for it. I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur who may be considered a serial entrepreneur by some, but then I realized that all of my businesses focused on connection, community, and creating an incredible experience. I cannot wait to share with you how to make small but mighty changes in your life to affect your overall well-being and create a life and business you want to get up in the morning for. That's right, my friends. I am the Renaissance Mama. Hi, friends. It's Courtney, the Renaissance Mama, and I am so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for checking the show, whether you're listening to it on a podcast or maybe you're watching the video show. I just want to thank you for being here. And if you are watching it on the video show, you will see that I am wearing my lovely jungle shirt. It's got lovely little leaps. It's just so much fun. And you might be wondering, why am I wearing this shirt? Well, my friends, I just got back for from the most amazing family vacation. We went on a seven-day cruise and it was absolutely incredible. We went around to a bunch of different islands. We were able to really connect as a family. We were able to relax and just take a breath. We were able to disconnect from work and we were able to just really, really enjoy ourselves. We had some beverages. We had some sunshine. We had a lot of adventure and it was just a wonderful, experience and we created so many memories as a family. So, and like most people, we haven't traveled in quite a long time because of COVID. And I do believe that we went into this trip knowing that. We were 
so grateful and so excited to be able to travel again that we weren't going to take anything for granted. We wanted to make this trip one we would always remember. And I think we did exactly that. So I thought today I would share with you some of the things I thought about while we were on this vacation and why I think it was such a huge success. And I'm hoping that all of you get to go on a vacation in the near future, whether it's big or small, whatever it may be. I believe that everybody needs that time for themselves, or maybe you're traveling with your family, you need to make these vacations, take these opportunities when you can. And I'm hoping with some of my tips and tricks, I will share with you how I just got the absolute best out of the vacation. So the first thing I want to start chatting about is the work aspect. Because I will be honest with you, uh, in the past, both myself and my husband have a really hard time disconnecting from work. So we've gone on these vacations before, but we're still answering emails. We still have our computer open. We're still thinking about things in the middle of the night while we should be sleeping, while we should be relaxing. We're thinking, ooh, what about this? Oh, I hope someone's taking care of that. I hope, I hope, I hope. And really not having the experience that I had this time. This time, I will tell you, I brought my computer and I didn't open it once. <laughs> like I packed it, it was in my bag, I brought it with me and didn't even touch it. I did answer a few emails here or there, but there was a lot that I just starred and saved till later. There was a lot that I knew didn't need my attention right now and it could be an after the trip situation. So I think you need to go into it knowing that's what you want to do. If you really want to disconnect from work and you want to enjoy your vacation, already pre-plan that that's what you want to do. How I did that? Well, it did take a little bit of prep work. So I had to make sure I had my list of things that needed to get done while I was away, before I went away. I had a list of things that needs to happen while I was away. So whether I was using a scheduler, maybe you can contact someone else and get those things done. But I really was trying to do that prep way ahead of time. I didn't want to be thinking about these things while I was on my vacation. I wanted to enjoy myself. So sometimes that takes a little bit of extra time and effort, but in the end, it is so worth it. The next thing I did is I had my vacation notification on all my emails. Um, I let anybody know that, you know, I was going to be away, anyone important that needed that information. And then I always believe at the end, if for some reason emails are taking a long time, or if some reason you missed out on somebody and didn't quite get to connect with them, I think honesty is the best policy. So letting them know like, hey, I'm so sorry, I missed this email. I was away on an incredible vacation with my family, so please accept my apology, but how can I help you now? People really respect that. I know myself as a consumer, if I see that someone's on a vacation, you're like, oh, okay, sorry, no problem. There's nothing that I am doing personally in my business that is that 
urgent that people need my attention right then, right? So I think if you're honest with your, your customers, you're honest with the people you're working with and just letting them know ahead of time, or if you do miss that out after just really apologizing and saying, I went on this vacation, like, please forgive me. How can I help you? People will forgive you. The other thing I want you to think about, not only while you're prepping before you go on this vacation, so you're making sure you have those things done while you're away, but even maybe having some of those things done so when you get back from vacation, you're not like ready to go and super stressed out just to catch up on everything. So if there's any way you can make that master list, you know me and I love my master lists. List is, I don't know if that's a word. Um, making your master list of all the things that, you know, like I said, need to get done before you go away, need to happen while you're away, and then maybe those things that need to happen kind of when you get back so you're not super stressed about it, they're already sort of done, ready to go. Um, I think another great thing to think about when, especially when you're talking about work and vacation and wanting to disconnect, is being very smart about when you're taking these vacations. So we, while we started planning this, made a very conscious effort to look at both my schedule, my husband's, we actually went with another family and really decided when would be the best time to go. Now, let me tell you, you might never find the absolute perfect time to go because you're always gonna be that busy. So you have to make sure you make this time available. But I knew where the time we picked, I had just finished two of my really big projects. Um, I had about four days in between before we actually went away. So I was able to kind of really clean a few things up, put things away. I saved a few things that, you know, I could deal with later, but those two big projects were done. So it wasn't something that was always on my mind. It wasn't something that was stressing about wasn't something I was coming home to. They were completed. They were finished. I have another project coming up, but once again, I have more time. So it felt like the best time for us to book this vacation because I was able to really, you know, get away from work. I was able to take that break because I picked the right time. And the last thing I want you to think about when you're thinking going on a vacation and work and all those excuses that could come up or reasons why you you shouldn't take a vacation is I think it is a mindset shift. I think you need to realize that you need this vacation. You need it more than work needs you. Even if you're an entrepreneur and you're a one person show, you need to take breaks. You need to, you know, do the things that make you happy. You need to relax. I have also always been in one of those people that I'm like, oh, I don't know, vacations. I, I get really antsy. I want to go back to work. I want to do things. But this time I was able to just relax. I was able to relax because I knew the work would be there when I got back. I knew I had done the prep work. I knew the importance of the trip and I knew how much I wanted to make those memories and spend that time with my family. For me growing up, one of my very favorite memories was my grandmother actually took my whole family and my cousins and their whole family on a few 
trips to the Caribbean and we would have never even been able to like consider going on a trip like that before but she came into some money and she shared the wealth and she brought us on these vacations and they are to this day some of the best memories of my childhood because I just remember thinking this is an absolutely incredible experience. So I kind of went into this trip as that same thing. I knew I wanted to be special. I knew I wanted to be about my kids. I knew I didn't want to be on my phone checking emails. So it was a mindset shift. It was like, okay, right now, my family and this trip, it's going to be my priority. So because I made it my priority, I knew the other stuff would be fine. It'd be good. I'd come back and, and I did. I came back and I got right back into the swinging things. And I had to spend a few extra days catching up on work, but that's fine too. So really making that mindset shift of like, okay, you want to make this a priority. You want to make this special. And it doesn't have to be a week long commitment. If that's too much, that's too much. Maybe you start with a weekend. Maybe you start with a long weekend. Maybe you start with something smaller, but really taking that time to know, okay, this is not going to be even a little bit about work. It's no, it's not. It's going to be about family. It's going to be about connection. And it's going to be about those special memories because you're not you're not gonna be able to make those memories forever. That was one of the things I definitely was aware of going into this vacation, is not only were we so grateful to be able to even take the vacation, obviously because of COVID, but my oldest, he's 13, and there's just this like little, little nagging voice in the back of my head that was kind of reminding me that like, he's not always gonna want to be vacationing with his family. You know, he is going to get to a point where he's working or maybe he's off to school or maybe he's growing up. So it was this moment of like, we need to make this vacation really special. We need to make it something that we can really remember, take tons of photos. And I pre-warned my kids. I was like, I'm going to be taking tons of photos because I want just so many great memories from this vacation. So I feel like I did exactly that, but it was a mindset shift. It was a shift of work is not priority right now. It's family and this vacation is gonna be my focus and that is what I'm gonna do. All right, so now I'm gonna switch gears and I'm gonna talk a little bit more about like the vacation itself and how, how sometimes when we're traveling with others or kids or family members that we also have to really consider different things. And I think because I was really, you know, expecting certain things or I was making changes or I was really being aware of everybody's else's expectations, I was able to take a step back, kind of relax and really enjoy myself. So the first thing I think you need to do when you are vacationing, especially recently, is you have to expect for the hiccups to happen. You have to expect for the delays or possibly losing luggage or all the things that may happen. I think you need to go into it 
expecting that it will. I had friends recently come home from Mexico and on their way there, they were delayed like 10 hours and they had two kids in the airport and they had iPads and activities, but 10 hours is so long for anybody, never mind children. Uh, and then on the way home, it was another delay and then they couldn't get their bags and it was finally like six o'clock in the morning and they left. They left their bags there, they left everything. So after hearing that horror story, I was going into this expecting something to happen. So we even said that to the kids, we planned to go a day earlier so we wouldn't be stressing out. We planned our flight home a little bit later. So once again, we weren't gonna be stressing out, but we had that sort of in the back of our heads, like, okay, things might not go perfectly to plan, that is okay. The purpose is the vacation. The purpose is us. The purpose is this connection. So let's, let's focus on that. So when the delay did happen, because of course it did happen, we were sitting on the airplane ready to take off and we sat for about two hours. So it wasn't ideal, but once again, just reminding the kids, reminding myself that like, wow, we knew this was gonna happen. We knew something was gonna happen, but it's worth it because we get this result in the end. We get the trip, we're going there. It's gonna be amazing, it's worth it. And then on the way home, when we rushed to go to the airport, we were ready to go, waiting for our flight and found out that it was delayed. Once again, we could have been very upset. We could have taken out on, you know, whatever worker was around. No, we knew something like this was gonna happen. So we had another plan. We ended up going back to the hotel we had stayed at and sat beside the pool all day and hung out and made more memories. So really it was like a full extra day of vacation in sunshine and really you can't blame anyone for that. The next thing that I think made our vacation extremely successful is that I was very aware that I wasn't the only one on this vacation. I think sometimes as parents in particular, we have this vision in our head of how a vacation is supposed to go and we plan all these activities and we put all these expectations on our kids or maybe our partners or other people that we're traveling with. And I knew going into this, there was things that I definitely wanted to do. There was things I wanted to see happen, but I also knew I wasn't the only one on this vacation. So I needed to have that give and take. I needed to be able to give my kids opportunities that maybe that wasn't the first thing I wanted to do, but they really did want to do. So for instance, that 13 year old, uh, there was a teen club on the ship and he absolutely loved it. Not only did he love going to the teen club and hanging out and making friends and participating in all these activities, but he made these friends and then all he wanted to do was hang out with these new friends. Like, <laughs> I, I barely saw my 13 year old. He was on his own vacation, having the time of his life. And there was moments that I thought, you know, maybe I should make him come and eat dinner with us. Maybe I should make him do this, or maybe this should happen. But I thought, you know what? He is having an absolutely incredible time right now. He is having this independence. He's having this freedom. He's meeting these people from all over the world and connecting with them. So it was a give and take. There was definitely moments that I said, okay, you need to come home at this time because we have to wake up early and do this activity together as a family. Or 
or there was times when, you know, he wanted to do something else and we had to sort of negotiate, but really finding that balance of things that he wanted to do and myself, my youngest in particular loved this kid's area and would have gone every moment it was open if he could have. Like he had such a blast once again, just meeting friends his age, meeting from people from all over the world and having an incredible time. But there was moments where I was like, wait a second, I want to spend time with you. I want to do this too. I want to. So really having that give and take and chatting with everybody and saying, okay, what, what is it that you want to do next? What is it that we can do together? Hey, is there any way this could happen? How about this? And it was everything, everything became a little bit of a negotiation, but I think with kids that's going to happen, or like I said, partners or family members, whatever it is. But I think going into it with this like mindset of it's not just one person on this vacation, it's all of these people and we all deserve to have a really great time. So giving and taking and being able to really just respect everybody's wishes, I think in the end just makes it such a successful experience. The next thing that I think made our vacation so successful, and I really can't decide if this is something because I was traveling with kids or really if it happens with everybody. And I think sometimes we just need to, we need to realize it and accept it. But uh, the next thing that made it really successful was the fact that when people had really big emotions and really big reactions, I wasn't trying to force them into feeling something different. And I'll give you an example. So we got onto the ship. We were all excited. We had, like I said, already waited uh, on the airplane for two hours extra than we were supposed to. And then we got, uh, had a night there, had, you know, a good time, stayed up a little bit, but not too late because we had to get onto our boat. And then once we arrived to get on the ship, we waited for a while for that. And then we finally got on the ship and we were just so pumped and we were on an adventure. We were exploring, we were checking everything else. Well, about half an hour into this walk and we're still just like I said, I was, my mind was blown. I'd never seen anything like this and I was taking everything in. My 11 year old was done. He was exhausted. I think he was just so overwhelmed by everything that had happened so far. And he just kind of almost broke down into a little bit of a meltdown. And there was a moment and you could see both myself and my husband were like really about to react. We're like, how, like the first thing we thought of is how is he not, you know, being so appreciative of this trip? Like I would never been able to have a take to been able to take a trip like that as a kid. My husband didn't take trips like that when he was a kid. So we were just like, we want our kids to, you know, understand the importance of this or understand how grateful they should be. So there was this moment that we almost were like, how dare you and wanted to react but we did it. We knew what he was feeling at that time was really nothing about the trip or not wanting to walk or whatever it was. He just had big emotions. He was overwhelmed. He was probably exhausted. He was tired of waiting. He didn't know how to express all of that. So it came out as like, kind of a little bit of like a temper tantrum, which you never want to see on anybody. But the more I saw it, I realized like, yeah, 
it happens. And then throughout the trip, it happened a few more times with him, it happened with my friend's children, it happened with some of my other kids. And every time it happened, we didn't yell, I didn't freak out, I didn't tell them they should be behaving better or acting better or appreciating this incredible trip. I just let them have their emotions. I let them feel those really big feelings because I knew it wasn't the trip. I knew it wasn't anything against anybody. It was just the fact of all those little things adding up. It was the things that, you know, you're off your regular schedule. You're sleeping in different places. It's super overwhelming seeing all these incredible things and different people have different reactions. And then it always gets to the point of the trip that you do feel like, oh, I'm tired. I'm tired of being relaxed because you miss that routine. You miss that structure. You miss all those other things. So when traveling with people, especially kids, big emotions are going to happen. Just let it. Let it. Don't take it personal. It's not you. It's not the trip. And it will be better so quickly that you don't you don't have to fight about it. There's no need to make a big fuss. So I think that really helped helped the trip, helped the whole environment, helped everyone's attitudes because we knew sometimes you just get tired. Sometimes you do just get overwhelmed and you're allowed to have those very big emotions. The next thing that I think was very successful and helped my vacation be so successful is I was very aware at like when I was overindulging and when I was still trying to take care of myself and my body and my kids and making sure I had all the things I needed. And what I mean by that is I find sometimes you go on vacation and you're just like, vacation mode and maybe you're eating things that you don't normally eat maybe you're drinking a whole bunch that you don't normally drink you're staying up late you're sleeping in you might miss some workouts like you do all the things because you're just like i want to relax i want to not do anything good but i find when you start doing that then you go down a not so great path and then you not don't feel very good. And then you can't enjoy this incredible vacation that you want to enjoy because you've really just overindulged in all of these things. So although it sounds a little bit lame, I will tell you, we did not stay up very late in this vacation. Like I had a lot of sunshine, I had a lot of food and beverages, but by the time the evening came, Whew, I was done. There was actually more than one evening that my 13 year old was like, please, can I stay out later? This party starts at 11 p.m. and I was way in bed by then. So once again, it was negotiating, but I knew I wanted to feel good the next day. I knew I didn't want to be exhausted. I knew I wanted to have so much fun on this trip that like, I'll go to bed early. It's not the end of the world. I also tried my very best at eating pretty good. I don't eat a lot of carbs on my normal day to day. So I, in the back of my head, I knew if I'm going to eat 
tons of food that I don't normally eat, like that is gonna bother my stomach and that is gonna ruin the rest of my trip. So I was very aware when choosing foods and I mean, it's so easy to overindulge sometimes when there's just delicious food everywhere, but I just really tried to kind of make good choices when I could. Of course, I'm gonna eat some delicious things. I'm definitely not missing out on that opportunity, but really being aware of like when I was eating certain things and some things I would pass on or avoid because once again I don't want to ruin my trip for the two seconds of how good that piece of food's gonna taste. I also tried really hard to still work out. I have told you guys many times like I love working out and it is something that is very much connected to my mental health. It really just brings my stress down. It makes me feel good. I can feel the moment when I'm working out that ah, in my body. So I knew going on this trip, um, there was a gym, there was opportunities to work out. I knew I had to add that into my day, that I couldn't just sleep in. I couldn't just go on to the next adventure, that I had to make sure I was getting those moments because I needed it for myself. And even if the rest of my day was just going to be relaxing and hanging out, if I didn't do that at the beginning of the day, I know by like midday, I'd be like, I'd be stressed, even stressed about nothing because my body needs that release. It needs that moment and that me time. So I made sure I was able to work out quite a few of the days when we were away on that vacation. So I feel like keeping that and making sure that I was doing those things for myself and doing it for my kids and just really being aware. And then also, of course, lots of water. Lots of water is always a great thing, especially when you're changing up, you know, all my body all of a sudden is getting the sunshine it's not used to. It's winter here and it was absolutely beautiful over there. So lots of water and hydrating and doing all those things that like, I think if I took this trip in my 20s, I probably would have done none of those things and then by day four or five wonder why I felt so horrible. No, this time I went into it very smart. I wanted to enjoy the whole trip. I wanted to have a great time. So I was able to really make the smart choice so that the whole trip in the end was absolutely incredible. Well, my friends, those are all the tips I have on how you can really just make your next vacation the best possible vacation you have. So once again, I chatted a little bit about the work things, the prep you need to do ahead of time, the people you need to contact, and really the mindset shift of knowing what kind of trip you want it to be. Hey, if you want to work half the time and relax half the time, that's fine. That's your choice. But I would say be very clear on what kind of trip it was. Like I said, this was the first time both my husband and I were really able to disconnect. And I was so proud of him. I was so proud of myself, but we were also very clear of like, that's what we wanted this trip to be. There's been trips in the past where like, I'm thinking it's going to be one way. He's thinking it's going to be the other way. And if that version of the trip doesn't add up, then it's not going to be successful for everybody. So we were on the same page of what we wanted this trip to be. And we took those steps before the trip to get all our prep work done, tell all our people. And like I said, if things happen, just know, be honest with people, be honest with your customers, be honest with the people you work with and say, Hey, listen, sorry, I was on vacation. How can I help you go to that next step, fix those relationships or do the things you need to do, but don't worry about it when you're on your vacation. I want you to relax. Also, you need to have that mindset shift of like, 
you deserve a vacation. You need it. Everyone needs that time to just like take for themselves or connect with their families or really make it something special. I told you, I'm, I know I'm only going to have so many more years of traveling with my kids, which sounds crazy. It's one of those things you always hear from people and then it actually starts happening to you and you're like, oh my goodness, the people are right. It's true. You only have so many, so many time to make those memories. So take the time while you can and make sure your mindset is like, that's what this is going to be. It's going to be the best vacation ever. Then when you're thinking about the actual vacation itself, remember things are going to happen. Expect hiccups to happen. Expect the delays. Expect those things. So when they do happen, it's not the end of the world. You haven't ruined a trip. It's still going to be amazing. You know your goal is that amazing trip. So expect things not always to be perfect, and then you can get through them, not a problem. Remember when you're traveling with other people, especially kids, that your version of the ideal trip might be different than theirs. So there might be compromise, there might be give and take, there might be different conversations of what's next. I love creating bucket lists with my kids of like, here's the thing I want to do, here's the things you want to do, let's let's negotiate, let's work this out, let's make this trip awesome for everybody. And everyone loves to say, whether you're, you know, it's your partner or it's your child or it's someone you're traveling with, everyone loves when it's a group effort. Everyone loves to have their voice. They love to be heard. They love to be like, yeah, I'd really like to do this. I want to try this. I don't want to do that. Like, let's have a conversation. Let's work it together. Then another thing to remember, of course, is that people, especially children, are gonna have some pretty big emotions. So don't let it ruin your trip. Don't fault them for having the emotions. They might be tired. They might be just different off the routine. Let them have their big feelings and know it will be done quickly. And then it can be focused back on fun and the vacation and all those things you want it to be on. Don't, don't let, you know, a little temper tantrum ruin the whole party. Same things if weather is bad, don't let it ruin your vacation. Find ways to make that part of the vacation. Find ways to use it and have fun and, and just make it be what it's going to be. Then of course, the last one is when you are having that vacation mode and time, if there's any way to still make some smart choices so that you're fueling your body and your mind and you're able to really enjoy yourself. Remember I said I was eating pretty good. I was working out. I was drinking my water and not because I was, you know, worried about anything. It was more because I wanted to enjoy the whole trip. I didn't want to stay out super late and then be exhausted and not have fun the next day. I wanted to enjoy it all. So my friends, I hope you have enjoyed this episode and I really hope you get to go on some sort of vacation anytime soon. And like I said, maybe it's a weekend, maybe it's a long weekend, maybe it's a staycation at home where you just get to relax, disconnect and connect with your people because that is what it needs to be all about. So question before I leave is I want to hear from you guys. What is a vacation that you are looking forward to? Or maybe what is the 
your dream vacation. If you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? And I want to hear from you. So contact me, get on therenaissancemama.com, hop on our Instagram at Courtney Renaissance Mama, and let's continue these conversations. All right, friends, thank you so much. Bye for now, friends. Well, that was uh, Courtney Riddell of uh, The Renaissance Mama each and every week. Uh, femme, part of Fired Up Network, female empowerment movement. And uh, great, uh, Courtney, glad to see you enjoyed your vacation and uh, light a lot of sun and uh, fun in the sun and everything like that. Uh, we also have a question from a guy who may be coming back here to the Fired Up Network. You know, what's this with all the Greeks who are after me? I have uh, a special person, Patricia, shout out to Patricia, who's Greek. Another guy, Anthony K, sports fluent, who you're going to see here in the following the segment after this one. And, of course, this guy's question is, where did I go on my vacation? Is it Greece? Listen, listen, all right? Once somebody wants to take me and Patricia paid for, look at my hair, man. My hair looks good. I, I need to be, man, look at my beard. I trimmed down and Marty Robbins will love this beard and everything like that. Trimmed down and I, I look good. I, I got a Stalin profile. Woo! Stalin profile and, and set up for my trip to Greece. You know, the, Greece is a fantastic place, all right? A special shout-out to that person who sent that question in. Maybe, oh, maybe we get corporate and do the right thing and maybe bring him back here to the one and only, not fraudulent or uh, company, like, uh, you know, he has a show. But, you know, it's okay, it's adequate, but he's never been... As good as when he was on the Fired Up Network. Oh, maybe, oh, maybe, maybe we will see him tomorrow. Part of the Fired Up Network NHL trade deadline exclusive. Or on Saturday when we're going to bring back Maple Leafs forever. But as you already have heard, Fired Up Live, the flagship show of the Fired Up Network right here. What we're doing but tomorrow, usually we have the soccer show with myself, Giancarlo Lino, Carmen Asako, the coach, and, of course, John Freeman Nelson, the Hall of Famer of OG, OSG Sports. But tomorrow, we're going to be busy. The NHL trade deadline, we're going to be from 9 o'clock to 5.36 o'clock. So the soccer show, I know people, Marty Roberts, have chimed in here, wanted to know, Where's the soccer show? Is there going to be a soccer show on 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 uh, on Friday? Well, no, because we have the NHL trade deadline show. So what did we do? We take the soccer show today. So you'll see myself, not bad, John Carlolino, Carmen Asako. I, like his hair is crazy. His hair is crazy, right? Crazy hair, crazy everything. And, of course, John Freeman Nelson right here, a special edition of the Soccer Show. Normally, you see it on the Fired Up Network Fridays at 1230. But right now, here's a special edition of the Soccer Show.
Hey everybody, this is Joseph Hasek and welcome to the Fired Up Network. Welcome to Fired Up Live. Welcome to a special edition of the Soccer Show, normally on Friday afternoons with uh, the Hall of Famer John Freeman Nelson, John Carlo Lino, and the coach Carmen Asacco. But I don't know if you guys know, if Friday is a big NHL trade deadline, there's going to be two trades and we're going to be on for eight hours. John Carlo is going to be excited. The Maple Leafs have acquired... Phil Kessel for a bag of Schneider hot dogs, according to Steve Simmons. All right, let's get to the soccer show here. Uh, week one of MLS is back. I know, John, you don't like me saying that, but I don't care. Uh, Atlanta, they prevail. TFC doing TFC things. Let's go to, to you first. Talk about Atlanta United victory. Well, I mean, it was a 1-0 lead early by San Jose and you know that when you're in your first match for game state that you're you know it's, it's going to take a while for those relationships and coach knows this for guys to understand okay if I move here my responsibility is this my responsibility is here and so on uh Ibobisi gets a header pass Brad Gazan makes it one nil San Jose decides okay we flew across the country we're going to pack it in, try to get out of here with a point. We're going to try to conquer it starting in the 50th minute and delay, 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 fall down. Stretchers come out. And then, oh, there's a stretcher. No, I feel great. Physios walk you off, those kinds of things. But then it was uh, two magical moments from Tiago Almada. One, I'm still trying to figure out for the life of me why San Jose thought that just because Tiago Almada was outside the 18, he shouldn't be marked on a corner. And the second one, last kick of the game, just an absolute worldly kick that no keeper is going to get. Danielle had no chance. 2-1 Atlanta United gets out with full points and uh, awaits Big Red coming into town this weekend. All right. Now I'm going to go to these two guys, TFC. I'll start off with Karm. TFC, when you look at them, they come back and your guy scores the goal, leading 2-1 with what, John Carlo? 83rd minute, seven minutes left, right? Seven, six minutes left. And then Again, it collapses. They think they get defense. They sign hedges and all that. Carm, tell us, break us down about TFC's opening match. Yeah, I mean, just uh, like beyond the result as well. They just didn't look as uh, as 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 kind of motivated, um, kind of as as uh, resilient, or you know, you know, it's brand new year, trying to prove themselves. Uh, trying to, you know, kind of uh, wash off what happened last year. And you figure that they'd become all gangbusters, pace and energy and pressing. And it was the exact opposite. It was DC United that was up 1-0 and probably deserved to be up a couple more. Um, but, and again, in the flaws that you see are the flaws that existed, like, all of last year. But we're talking about one game. We're talking about one game where they could have packed it in and won the game. Um, against the team, uh, you know that that uh, DC United, you know, they'll be they'll be very lucky to make the playoffs next year, uh, or this year, sorry. But uh, yeah, so, so these are the, the the factors that are kind of eerily so similar. But uh, you know, again, it's just moments. You know, maybe expecting more more from Johnson uh, in that first shot. Maybe expecting a little more coverage from Bradley, uh, expecting more from Mark Anthony, even though he got that goal off of the restart. And uh, and, and lo and behold, Insignia is hurt after 35 minutes, right? And, and so these things are kind of 
par for the course. Um, so let's let let's let's see if uh, they learn their lesson a little quicker than they did last year. All right, John Carlo, and any thoughts, other thoughts you want to add on that match? Yeah, I think it's concerning. You see Insigne go down again, like every single year going back to Napoli. He seems to be picking up these injuries, so something's off there. And that's an expensive bench piece right now because if he's not going to be in the lineup, you're spending like $15 million a year on somebody that you're going to have to nurse back to health all the time at some point you got to maybe change the way he does his training and you're going to have to create a schedule that best allows him to perform and uh, not pick up these little injuries here and there. They have an, uh, an opening now on the roster. So I, I don't know why they don't just get Jovinko to come back, be on the bench, be in that role. He can slot in, be in that three man attack. Like I don't understand it. Uh, I think it'd be an easy option. You don't have to pay like a million dollars. So I don't know. I, I would pursue that if I was them. He'd come in and uh, give you some minutes here and there, and he won't have to be the guy because Bernadeschi, it seems like he's that guy right now. He wants Javenko. He wants uh, Phil Kessel. He wants Conrich Holloway for the Argos. Carmen, Conrich Holloway for the Argos. He and wants Bob. George Bell to come back and drop a drop kick on George Keese, uh, Bruce Keese in here. Come on, John Carlo, enough. Well, they have I, Victor I, Vasquez I, getting a ball to the I ribs agree. and he misses a game. So, Jovinko, you don't have to worry about that because he's shorter than Vasquez. So, you don't have to worry about the ball hitting him in the ribs. This, this is a soccer show, not wrestling, all right? So, here we go, John. Oh, hum. Who does Toronto FC play this week? Atlanta United. Yeah, yes, in Atlanta. So yeah. I'm going to make a friendly wager, all right? Carm, wake up for this. You want to make a wager with the Hall of Famer John Freeman Nelson? If Toronto wins, John Nelson will cut his hair. If no, Toronto loses, you get a haircut, Carm. What do you say? Nope. Uh... <laughs> The, uh, it's going to be, I mean, San Jose almost pulled off for what I consider a miracle because I don't think that's a team team even built to make the playoffs, even in the West. Um, uh, I think that uh, even just being where they were, Atlanta's got so many game changers. I think the, their, their, their pace of play, um, I think that, that Toronto – they're, they think they, they saw you saw a little bit of a middle block and not really high pressing uh, as much as they, they usually do. But they, they just get discombobulated and they just get broken down. And, and that was against the D.C. United team led by, uh, you know, their their number 10 click who, you know, probably wouldn't be starting for Toronto FC right now. So there's there's the, I, I, I just the matchups, uh, the energy that's going to be spent. Uh, you know, impressing that Atlanta team and the way they can break you down. And they have difference makers, you know. And again, the factor for me is, is Johnson as well. Johnson and, and Hedges and organizing that. Uh, even Richie Luria has been uninspired. That's the word I was looking for earlier. It was an uninspired effort. And if you're going to have an uninspired effort against DC United and not learn your lesson, it's going to be even 10 times tougher in Atlanta. So, uh yeah, that's 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 a game I, I wouldn't touch. All right, and uh, Giancarlo, go to you, and then we'll go to John and uh, speak about you know Atlanta. I think what John this uh, the opening match they had sixty seven thousand. Yep, sixty seven five. Yep. Wow. All right, Giancarlo, uh, give me your breakdown of Atlanta and Toronto. 
Yeah, just in Toronto needs to be a lot better. We saw like every season you can blame the goalie, whether it was Bono, whether it was Westberg, and now you get an incredible goalie in Johnson, and the same things are happening. So at some point you got to blame the system in place. Maybe Bradley has to change some things and good uh, luck. Good change his way. Good yeah, luck. So maybe he needs to look at the personnel, and uh, if he doesn't have him in the right spot, maybe it's an opportunity for Jaquil Marshall-Rui to come in. If uh, Richie Larea was uninspired, like uh, Carmen was saying there, like they have uh, Marshall Rudy, he's a young player, give him an opportunity. Maybe he'll take it and uh, push Larea to be better. And uh, like the Canadian men's national team, remember that statement they said, minor leagues. So if they don't want to be considered that, then I think they should need to step up too because a lot of people are going to be looking at the Canadian men's national team now, especially with all the changes being made. And they're going to be looking at the players under a microscope. And this is their opportunity to shine and uh, get some positive press in their end over there. All right, we're going to talk about the Canadian well, soccer in a few minutes. But, John, go ahead. Uh, you break it down from Atlanta's perspective. No, I think that what you're going to see is you're going to continue to see uh, these these tenets of Gonzalo Pineda. It's going to be uh, pressure in trying to get the ball back as quickly as possible once they lose possession. I think that you're going to see a lot of speed on the wings involving uh, Brooks Lynn, Luis Arugio on the right-hand side, Andrew Gutman with inside runs on the left-hand side, Tiago Amada left to roam freely. Uh, he probably start on the left-hand side, then the whistle blows, and the 4-3-3 will just go out the window. Whoever's going to be on the left wing is going to be there running up and down and staying on the outside, whether it's Caleb Wiley or if it's Derek Etienne. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting for Toronto FC's back line to try to combat all this speed. Can Matt Hedges keep up with uh, a Tiago Almada if that's his assignment? Can he keep up with a an Andrew Gutman if that's his assignment? Can he keep up with Luis Arugio if that's his assignment on any given element of all of this? I think that the speed of Atlanta United, and we're still trying to figure out who the nine's going to be. Is it going to be uh, Miguel Berry starting? We're still waiting for the visa to, to work its way through with uh, Yorgos Yakamakis and have him up top. Is it going to be Barry? Is it going to be Conway? Is it going to be a, con a combination of both of them? So we're still waiting for the the uh, the nine. And it was a team against San Jose that had three, if not four, players that were still missing from the starting eleven. I mean, it's you know you had Yakamaki still waiting on that. You had Luis Abram. You're still you know Luis came in late, and then you had uh, you know Brad Gazan and Brooks and uh, Miles Robinson starting for uh, the team that didn't start, you know, for a majority of 2022. So you're and Santi Sosa's out on suspension. So you had three, if not four players that were out that you would anticipate in your starting lineup. You won't have Sosa for this one. So once again, it's probably going to be Ibarra at the back as your six and lineup's pretty much going to be the same, but I want to know what it's going to be on the left-hand side. Is it Etienne or Wiley? Is it that the nine is Yakamaki's visa going to magically appear? Is it Yakamaki's uh, Barry or, um, Jackson Conway, and just try to figure it out that way. I think the speed's going to give problems for the back line for Toronto FC. It could be a long day. We're all going for Atlanta this week, aren't we? Uh, John Carlo, what's your prediction, Atlanta? No, I think it's going to be a draw. I think Toronto will have the lead, and uh, we're going to see a 2-2 draw. Oh. All right, Carm? I, I, Who cares, I, I, right? I, 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 I'm just interested to see how Toronto FC comes back and which players become the scapegoats of that first game. Um, I don't. Is Insigne out for sure? We don't. I don't know. Well, let's assume he's out for sure. 
So um, last game they brought in Akinola, who's and they moved um, and then they kind of tinkered around with Akinola wide. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of question marks on how they're going to come out in the system, how they're going to come out, uh, who are they going to use. Maybe it's a Marshall Ruddy playing in the wide areas. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, unknowns, and are they going to, you know, are they going to replace uh, a Mark Anthony or uh, or or an Oso or Bradley for that matter? Um, because of they, they need scapegoats to what happened. All right, so let's get uh, through the table here. I'll start off with John Carlo. Give me one match on opening weekend that impressed you, and, and one team that you were surprised that didn't come up good is it tfc oh yeah tfc is obviously just the amount of money and just everything they did and uh the scapegoats they got rid of and slotted new uh names in there that was a surprise to me but uh i won't say like more of a dang a positive but i was impressed with charlotte's home uh opener the crowd that they had there i think that's a positive sign and then you see what atlanta drew in their opener i think for just soccer in the united states and MLS, it's a uh, good. It's good for production when you can see that and market the league around and show that close to seventy thousand fans will pack in stadiums to watch soccer. All right, Carm, how about you? Same question. Yeah, my 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 favorite performance uh, without the result was Vancouver Whitecaps. I thought they were fantastic against Real Salt Lake. Got on the front foot, uh, played some great football, some great great actions, and I thought the team was put together well. Uh, you know, one nothing comfortably up. Probably should have been two or three. And this is the the, the life of the MLS. In the last minutes, uh, it, it becomes two one Real Salt Lake, who has some game breakers, players that can make a difference. But that's that's uh, that's for me was a, a very good performance from Vancouver. Uh, in, in in you know, usually they have maybe twenty percent possession, and they're lucky to get a transition shot on net. But um, this this game, I thought they were very good, very good going forward, very proactive. I liked what uh, I liked what um, uh, what Vancouver showed, um, and unfortunately, they ended up losing two one. So there's some deficiencies. Um, maybe it's their new Japanese keeper who's got great feet, but uh, we'll see how. If you know, obviously, keepers with great feet still need to save a ball. All right, and final, uh, John, what surprised you or? you know, from opening match? Well, surprise good, uh, St. Louis City SC. I feel like since they're in caps, I have to do that every single time, <laughs> which then in turn gives me a bit of a, 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 you know, the other side of that equation with uh, Austin. You wonder about Austin. Uh, you wonder about Colorado with what happened with their match against Seattle. That was, that was not good from Colorado. Columbus, you worry about. I imagine that over time, Columbus getting integrated with what Wilfred Nancy wants to do. Uh, Columbus started out great, and then so uh, you know that's those are the ones that surprise me bad. If we're if we're going uh, red light, yellow light, green light, then I go green light St. Louis, and red light definitely Colorado and Columbus out of week one. 
And great sound effects there. Maybe we should, uh, Giancarlo, get that and we'll put it on the soundboard there. Uh, before we get to Team Canada, CONCACAF reveals the qualifying process. My head hurts now from seeing that. It's like, what are you doing? I was going to start with you because I know Carmen doesn't, He he's coaching his team. He doesn't know what we're talking about. So give us a, a Reader's Digest version because my no. head is like that. Go ahead. It's impossible. You can't. You can't do a Reader's Digest version. You're ex, you're expanding the number of teams to to qualify. You go from twelve to sixteen. The windows are the windows are specified, and it's just like man, your head hurts from looking at this kind of stuff. It's like okay, to do this, you've got to do this, and you're here and you're here. Basically, it's twelve. The biggest takeaway is that you go from twelve to sixteen that to qualify. So, and it's group stages and the three groups, A, B, and C, and their divisions and the relegation, which doesn't exist anymore. It's just, yeah, it makes your head hurt. John Carlo, anything you want to add about that? Because I, I heard you were the part of the group who uh, constructed this. He was hanging out with Montagliani and they came up with this decision. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, chopping it up and uh, I was telling them you need more group stages. You need to make it more complicated. And uh, I don't know what they were thinking when they released that. I thought that was just like a draft of this is what we're thinking, but that would end up being the official thing. So yeah, it was surprising. It's crazy. It's crazy. Carm, do you want well, to say I, structure? The, the the champions of Concacaf or the team that won the Concacaf uh, uh, division this year was not supposed to be in it. By the way, <laughs> we we really forget that. <laughs> we really forget that. So maybe there's some. Uh, Maybe there, there is some uh, valid validity to this reshuffle because Canada was not part of the original hex and became part of the oct, or maybe I'm all over the place. But um, uh, I'm still, I'm still really enjoying John's red light, yellow light. <laughs> Remember that. I do I like. Go ahead. I can tell my kids that that's a yellow light. Yeah, that's a green light. Yep. that's a red. Yeah, that's all tell right. yourself you were driving like crazy last week, and the phone went crazy. You should tell yourself that. All right, so that's all for you, Joe. That's all for you. Yeah, that's just all for to me. get now, now. Let's see. Let's see if it's John. Get ready. Let's see if it's all for me now. Let's talk about Canadian soccer. Uh, this week, uh, <laughs> look at him. Already. Look at him. Wow. No, our, Carm, let, let's get to it. And, and so he's gone. He's gone. Unbelievable. He's gone. He kills my momentum. This, this guy better show up here. He, he owes us all Nino Diversa, probably. Yeah, but, really? John, you wanna you wanna start it off as an American looking at what's happening in Canada mm-hmm. and, and you know, Canadian soccer is coming up, right? They're the first time they qualify, they're gonna qualify again, everything like that. What what do you think when you see north of the border? Well, we talked about it on the show this morning, and it's disappointing, and it's frustrating, and I think on some levels it's also angering with uh, with what has been going on and how the specifically the women's national team has been treated in all of this. Where uh, Rick Westhead, who by the way is a fantastic follow on Twitter, R Westhead from a TSN came up with uh, with some news yesterday where basically the women's team to play Brazil had to come up, the, the women's team had to have a benefactor come forward to pay for the trip for a for a national team 
that is as storied as Canada is, that was a part of host that was hosting a World Cup not too many years ago. For Christine Sinclair and and, and that group to to go through what they're do uh, having to go through, it, it's disappointing. It's maddening, and, and the biggest question for me is why is this the case? And what folks are going to have to do is follow the money. When you have Canada soccer business, allegedly, apparently, probably giving anywhere from three to four million dollars a year to Canada soccer because of this marketing agreement. And it's capped at that number, which is an incredible benefit for CSB. When three to four million dollars is going to Canada soccer each year, follow the money. Where is it going? Why does why does the women's national team have to basically live check to check when some of the women when the women aren't even getting paid back wages to be a part of this national team? Follow the money. And I want to know, and I know that the three to four million going to Canada soccer is also helping to fund the CPL and its growth. But FC Edmonton is on life support as you're bringing in another franchise in the Vancouver area. Where is this money going? How much of it is going to the CPL? How much of it is funding the CPL? How much of it's going to Canada soccer? And then Canada soccer in turn, how are you distributing the funds to the men's side and the women's side when Nick Bontis has a press conference basically saying that the demands where he goes off the rails in a press conference and says the demands of the men's team are untenable. I think that was the word that was used. But he was combative in a press conference that became legendary up there for the media. And now, of course, because of everything that is going on with Canada soccer, Bontis resigns yesterday, but he is still employed, I believe, in CONCACAF in some manner, way, shape, or form because of his relationship with Victor Montaliani. It, there are too many questions that don't have answers and a lot of them are financial. And I know that Giancarlo's up against it, and he turns into a pumpkin. So, Giancarlo, go ahead. But, yeah, we talked about it this morning. We talked about it this week. It's disappointing. It's depressing. It's confusing. And you need answers. Uh, go ahead, John. And you'll see more of Giancarlo here on Fired Up Live because Giancarlo will be on the wrestling show where we preview AEW's pay-per-view. I know Carmen is excited about that. Uh, and we preview the return of John Jones as he clobbers uh, Carmen Asako. Go ahead, uh, John Carlo. Anything else you want to add? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the whole Bonta situation. Uh, I think it was long overdue. This is something that should have happened after the World Cup when they really just look at everything and assess what happened. And that's when it shouldn't have taken the whole committee of uh, provincial leaders there to say he should resign. Like, the whole thing has been going on too long. So hopefully now with uh, this new change, it leads to something positive and uh, maybe a financial statement could be released of both teams so they know how much money and what's going where. So hopefully it turns into positive. All right, Giancarlo, tell everybody how they could get a hold of you. And again, you're going to be later on the show, on the wrestling show. Plus, you're going to be the hot dog vendor when Phil Kessel comes here on Friday for our NHL trade deadline show. Go ahead, Giancarlo. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, John underscore, from one Instagram, Giancarlo underscore Alino, and check out my articles on fireonnetwork.ca. All right, I'll uh, bid you adieu. I'll, I'll see you later on in the show. Take care, Giancarlo. Thanks. Take care, guys.
All right. Now, here it is. Hopefully, it doesn't cut out. Do you want to rebuttal anything that John Freeman Nelson, the Hall of Famer of OSG Sports, said? An American has got to the crux of this issue. You're a Canadian. You teach and you, you coach. You're the headmaster coach and everything like that. I know you have maybe, maybe, God willing, you, you're, you'll be exploding here. Tell us your thoughts on the debacle that has happened in Canadian soccer. Great. We can't even hear him. <laughs> Great. Great. Check, check your mute, Carmen. Check your mute button. He's talking and he's saying, he, he, I'll, I'll translate for him. He's saying, you know, since this guy stepped down, all right. You hear me now? Hear now we can hear you. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's not. It's not a massive. I don't think it's the buckle, but I think there's. There's. It's. It's. I don't think it's the buckle at all. I think it's. It's. Uh, it's. It's a mountain made from a molehill on social media and all the evils that are 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 part of it. Number one, John CSB, uh, the funding that goes to the CSA is not anything to do with cpl the csb which are is is all fund the cpl is all funded by individual owners that have invested in in csb and are partners in csb none of the money that goes to csb is part of csa uh number two uh the the, the i highly doubt i highly doubt that the story about the women needing a benefactor to play in She Believes Cup uh, is is true. All right, I highly doubt it, but I don't. I have no sources to say to 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 quote or anything like that. But I highly, highly doubt that that's the case. I think this is the relationship of some people, uh, players, and and TSN that uh, are are again. I'm not so sure the facts are the facts. Number three. I think Nick Bontis, uh, who is an established professor at the University of McMaster, established business person, um, well-respected, uh, took on a challenge that was way beyond him, or and he's become the scapegoat for a lot of ineptitude within our organization. Um, and I think that there's other people leading this uh, this situation for reasons that uh, are probably uh, very selfish, um, and and I don't think that uh, we have the full story. I don't think we have the full story by any means, and I'm not saying that I have the full story, but I'm saying that we don't have the full story, and I really believe that Nick Bontis has become a scapegoat in all of this. He was on the board 2012 for sure. He was on the board when a lot of these decisions in CSB with CSB were made. But understand, uh, at that time, Canada was not in the World Cup. Canada had no chance to qualify for the World Cup because of the situation. COVID was 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 beating them up, um, and they were they were making maybe a million dollars, maybe a million dollars. They were getting a million dollars a year. And uh, when CSB came and looked to, you know, double that with with three million, it, it became it was it looked like a good investment. 
but everything that's happened, and they probably didn't dot their I's and cross their T's, and there was a lot of ambiguities within that that understanding or that the contractual relationship. But uh, at the at the time, it looked like a savior, it looked like a saving every year. No matter what happens, you get three million plus a, a portion of the marketing, a plus plus plus. So. Uh, and, 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 and right now, again, I don't pretend to know all, but I think that at that time, it looked like a very good deal for CSA. And I think the board, not only Nick Bontis, but the board voted that situation to come to fruition. Um, so that was a collective group. Then the whole, uh, the whole idea of, uh, of, of now what's happening in, in the equality and the women's and all that stuff. Look, look, I can only speak from my experience. I was part of the CSA, uh, the, the national technical staff for a little bit with, with Benito Floro. The facts are that Canada uh, women's program was at least two times, maybe three times more funded than the Canadian national program around 2013, 14, 15. You know what? Benito and the world were okay with that because they had, they had Olympics coming up. They had World Cups coming up. They had Pan Am Games, which we were part of, coming up. There was never any problems with equality at that time, right? Never any qualities with anything that uh, that that that, uh, that you know. There was there was a reasonable imbalance. Now, when the foot became there, there became a reasonable imbalance because the men's team, the men's team, kind of uh, had more qualifying games more more uh, more trips because of the reality of the situation they had to prepare for the world cup or the reality of the situation is that it had a ton of qualifying to do you can't you can't you can't uh harp or or identify facts without understanding why so that for me there is a why to all this for me uh, Nick Bontis is, 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 was part of that. Why did he make mistakes? Probably. Um, but, uh, uh I mean, uh, the, the mistakes that people are talking about, uh, what, what the car he drives or all that rubbish about all that rubbish, he earned that himself. And he took on a, he took on, maybe it was, it was an ego move that he took on the president of the CSA for sure. But it wasn't a it was a tough situation to be in at that time. Um, and obviously, the, the, the governing bodies and the provincial bodies, you know, voted non-confident in him, in him. But there's a lot more problems than Nick Bontis. And there's a lot more issues that we need to look at. And there's a lot more manipulating and soap opera. Uh, what, can, what word can I use? Uh, soap opera dirt that, that's going on behind the scenes. There's a lot. There's a lot that we don't know about John and Joe. There's a lot, and 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 I think that, you know, uh, there's a there's some people that we want we should point out, but we're not pointing out. But the, the, and and Montes became the victim of all that, um, you know. And you know what? To be honest with you, Victor Montigliani would have been the victim of all that if if he didn't move forward and if he didn't have, uh, you know, the the the. Uh, intellectual and political prowess to be where he is right now um so there's there's a lot of question marks but i think we need to point fingers and and investigate the whole rather than point our finger at nick bontis and that use that as a scapegoat that that's the reality csb made a good business deal 
CSB, the money that they give to CSA, whether it's enough or not enough, or whether the situation uh, was was uh, miscalculated, is what the what they they uh, organized to do. Um, you know, and and let's be honest, uh, this benefactor that we talk about uh, is probably Kerfoot, the owner of uh, of of the uh, the Whitecaps, and I mean he's got billions of dollars and he's invested in this game endlessly. So if we're talking about a benefactor, he's, he's also the guy that that I don't I, I don't think that CSA had um, they 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 had the resources to obviously send them the She Believes Cup and give them what they need to do and the preparation they need to prepare for, but like let's let's be a little bit understanding and not let throw our hands in the air right away and see how this situation uh, really is going to play out because the uh, the honest truth is. Soccer, football, soccer in Canada became relevant without the economic ability to be relevant, without the, the backing to be relevant. Now and without and now, I mean, when 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 it was just the women's team, you know, pretty much leading all of our successes, and and they were all the funding was towards them, and there was no octagon, and there was no other situation where where the men's team had all these demands. It was uh, it was simple. It was simple and straightforward. Um, and uh, the men's team, who wasn't productive, didn't demand resources that were were unattainable. You know, they didn't demand those resources because it matched their productivity. But now that their productivity as is at new heights and their value is at new heights, let's understand. That, that, that they're going to have to be, there's going to be a, a um, kind of a imbalance to what was the balance. So that there's an understanding there. And I don't think it's an equity issue. I don't think that, that, that the, the women are being treated inequitably. And I do, and I, and, and I, the only thing I do think is that I know what happened and how there was an inequity, but I didn't, we, no one called it an inequity back then. It called it, it called it a reasonable imbalance because we needed to fund the resources for the women, you know, and also the Canadian government uh, on the podium gave the resources to the women and gave them a whole bunch of money. All that stuff for me is very reasonable. That's the word that we're lacking in this situation. Hopefully after Nick Bontis is gone and now that they're saying that he, he was the reason why, let's, let's try to bring the groups together and be reasonable. But there's other people that should be looked at. There's other people that are stirring the pot here that are are are, are kind of putting things in, 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 in people's minds that are are not reasonably being uh, being uh, dealt with from me. And that's not only by the CSA. So I've again, I, I don't know if any of that makes sense. I don't know if, uh, but but I'm I'm not really uh, fond of. Of what's happening here, I'm not really fond of of uh, how both parties dealt with the situation. And even though there's a lot of people that I've worked with on the men's team and all that stuff, I think that uh, all that could have been a little bit um, more uh, transparent on both parties with both parties. All right, I'll give uh, John a couple seconds to rebuttal, or if you want to. Uh, FC Edmonton has been done. For like they're not coming back this year, they're done. Mr. Fath 
was tired of losing money and the league did take them over last year and uh, they couldn't find an owner. So FC Edmonton's done. FC Vancouver is uh, moving forward with uh, Rob Friend and uh, his deep pockets, which, you know, uh, there you go. That's just a clarification for you. Okay. Uh, I know, Carm, I'm just going to, I'm going to say that you and I will respectfully disagree on the topic. Um, I know that, uh, there are reports out there that Canada soccer still has not negotiated the deal on how to split the $10 million bonus that Canada's men's national team earned for qualifying for the world cup. That's still in play. You know, have- for me, the, can I, sorry, they have negotiated the deal. The women are getting exactly what the men are getting. And the only reason they haven't received money just yet is because FIFA hasn't given them that money. So we can move forward with that. The women and the men have been negotiating the exact same. They're getting the exact same amount. Then when it comes to, you know, uh, like I said, I'm going by published reports about the Canadian women's team. And Christine Sinclair basically, you know, saying independently that we're going to start a women's league and bringing sponsors to the table and all of this. Uh, I think that you're going to have I think that you're going to have a work stoppage in April. I think that the men probably will do something in solidarity for the women. And I think it's a situation that that has to be addressed. And uh I still, I still wonder where this three to four million dollars, outside of the ten that we were talking about just a second ago, I still wonder where this three to four million dollars that CSB gives Canada Soccer every year, what does it go to? As an organization, I believe you have to be financially accountable with your books, and we're not seeing the books. So I think that that as an organization that's like this, I think you that the public should see where these funds are going and what they're going to. So if, as you, as you contest what was going on with the, the benefactors and the trip to Brazil, uh, you and I, like I said, you and I differ on that from published reports versus what you know up there. I, I just, when you have, when you have events like that, where you have something said and you have the idea of a work stoppage coming up in April to me, I still think that we have far too many questions than we do answers, and I want to follow the money with this organization, meaning Canada Soccer, and figure out where this money went that was supposedly coming into your coffers. And for a team that was going to the World Cup, the men's side, fantastic that you did, and you know, eight figures to the left of the decimals coming in. What was the what was the breakdown? If there if there has been a a finality. With uh, figuring out how the money's going to be divvied up, great. We haven't heard anything. I'd like to know what that is. Uh, and then, like I said, with the women's team, you've got a World Cup coming up in five months, basically. And you have these issues with your women's national team, who you know could cause some could cause some trouble for some of the world powers. But you have these issues coming up with a World Cup coming up in five months. To me, it seems that there are too many problems that have to be addressed on both the men's and the women's sides, and we need a whole lot of answers. And I think a lot of them have to do with bank accounts. Uh, I'll leave it. I'll leave it as that. And how apropos is all this when it's Women's History Month? 
just started March 1st, Women's History Month. And, and uh, Carm, do you want to say anything of what John said, uh, to be fair here? Because No, no. I agree there needs to be transparency. I agree that there needs to be... Uh, there needs to be some uh, um, accountability for sure. I do agree, but I do. I have heard that there has been a uh, negotiation, and and I mean, publish reports. That sounds a little bit ambiguous to me. Publish reports means that there's someone that said something at camp, saying that the, we didn't get this, we didn't get this, we didn't get that. Oh, that's a reliable source. So let's be honest. I'm not a reporter. You guys are, but. Uh, but there, there's a lot of ambiguity on what a published report and the validity of that report is. But I am uh, quite. I've had some good sources tell me that uh, that there there has been a nego there has been a, a negotiation met, and that just as the U.S., the women will receive as much as the men's. All right. For the men's. Okay. Here at, here at Fired Up Network with the ultimate sports resource and my source. Is Carmen Asako, the head master coach of York University. Now, John Freeman Nelson, tell everybody how they could get a hold of you. And, and John, maybe I'll have you on for the NHL trade deadline show uh, where we'll talk about the Atlanta Thrashers. That's it. He he goes away. He doesn't like talking about the Atlanta Thrashers. If that hits home with him, all right, John, go ahead. No, I like talking about the Atlanta Thrashers, but then it's going to be a thirty-minute screed about Atlanta Spirit and Gary Bettman. That's all that's going to be about. All right, uh, you more in trouble. Easiest way to get in touch, right there on the Twitters at OSG Nelson. That's the easiest way. Uh, OSG Nelson on the Twitters at Soccer Down Here, Soccer Down Here Daily Radio, OSG Sports App available iOS and Android, and if you like books. Carm and Giancarlo have their copies there at uh, Fired Up HQ. Autographed and personalized right there. That book number six, Noble Strong Lessons in Destiny, uh, right there. You, know, you pick it up on Amazon, do a Noble Strong or a John Nelson search. Great story about a great family in a small town. Fighting adversity and how the family and how the town wrapped themselves around the family as the team was chasing after a championship. So Noble Strong right there. File it on your favorite books, but easiest ones, just go to Amazon, pick it up, Noble Strong. And I, and I told John's going to be part of uh, the NHL trade deadline show. And I got an attack from his good friend, Marty Roberts. Yes. Carmen Asako, are you going to be on the NHL trade deadline show to talk about the Maple Leafs acquisition of Rocky Saganuk, Dan Da'u, uh, 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 Vince Danfus, everything like that. Go ahead. Rick Natris, go ahead. That was the, wasn't that the kid line? Rocky Saganuk, or Rocky... Yeah, that was the kid line, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, Mike Palmatier, Mike Palmatier was kind of making. And for both then. people who don't know, of course, Carmen was the indoor soccer goalie. He was trying out to Maple Leaf goalie, but <laughs> he didn't have the mask of Mike Palmatier. But are you going to be on the NHL trade deadline show on Friday? What are you doing on Friday? I don't care. You're you're going to tell me, oh, we have a game here. We have. Do you understand? You're on worldwide TV talking about the National Hockey League trade deadline show that they're going to have waste eight hours for two trades. Come on. Because everybody's trading already <laughs> to the deadline. And what well, the Leafs are done anyway. Why no, the Leafs are not done. Their Leafs are not done. And by the way. Anybody, you want to hear a take that nobody, no, I don't care, it's going to get me in trouble with MLSE. I got Carmen Asako here who's going to take the bullets for me. All right? I, I don't care. Nobody's talking about this. Check out the trade deadline show 
I'll tell you the inside scoop about Carl Dubis making, I guess, his his team for three years. Oh, I'm happy with my team. He changed three quarters of the team. Is he happy with the team? Never mind. Are you going to be on the trade deadline show? Yes or no, Carm? I'll be right there. I'll be on for sure. I'll be yeah, there. No, all, all gonna, there. Listen, listen. Absolutely, yeah, I'll be there. You're going to be on the show because I told you, nobody gives memories of Rocky Sagana but you. All right? This has been the special. Reynolds Berlingo was on the kid line. Tom Ferguson. Tom Fergus. Come on. Yoramchuk. Yoramchuk was on the. Yoramchuk. Yoramchuk there. All right. So this has been a special show, a special edition of the soccer normally. Friday afternoon, but because of the trade deadline, we'll do it here on Fired Up Live. Uh, for John Freeman, Nelson, John, John Carlo, and Carmen Asako, who will be on Friday's show. All right. This is Joseph Pasek. Stay tuned for more great programming here on the Fired Up Network. Thanks a lot, guys. Be good. That was uh, usually the soccer show on Friday afternoons, but because of the NHL trade deadline, we moved it to the flagship show of the Fired Up Network, Fired Up Live. And uh, some interesting things uh, to say from uh, Giancarlo, from Carmen, and from John Freeman Nelson. And hopefully, John Nelson will be on the NHL trade deadline show tomorrow. Probably not Carmen. Giancarlo not. But we got so many people coming on. And, and, I just, people got to listen to this. This is exclusive news. I've just signed the hottest free agent. He was doing a, uh, you know, what am I going to say? He does a show with an old-time guy and you know he's been carrying him and carrying him and carrying him and carrying him much like i carried norm rumack for about 25 years on the fan 590 all right he's got tired he wants to join the big leagues the big leagues here gonna be on 300 million tvs thanks to world world.com wurl.com also fubu also other stuff but i have signed the hottest free agent and he's in demand. So we are going to capitalize on this right now. Tonight, about 9.40, we were going to close out with Giancarlo Lino on the wrestling show slash on the mat wrestling show slash UFC on guard show where we talk wrestling, where we preview AEW Revolution, where we preview UFC 285. But after that, we're extending it for about 20 minutes. The hottest free agent is here. On the Fired Up Network, stay tuned at around 9.40 p.m. for the debut, or should I say the return, or should I say the reboot, re, uh, return debut of the hottest free agent. And Marty Roberts, the grizzled young veteran, the former rookie sensation. You got to stay tuned. Maybe I want Marty Roberts on here because the... Hottest free agent is going to grace the Fired Up Network. Grace, not Grease. Grace the Fired Up Network tonight, 940. Right in time for the first intermission of the Maple Leafs Calgary Flames game. Hopefully the Leafs are leading 3-0 and we could. But Marty Roberts, I'm calling you out. 
940 tonight. We'll be joined by the hottest free agent. So there you go. But right now, we got two more segments before that happens. I throw to NBA Jump Ball with my good friend, who's going to get you more sports fluent. That's Anthony K. And of course, of course, we got Mr. Captain Canada, Drew Evanks here. NBA Jump Ball right now. Hey, everybody. This is Joseph Hasek, and welcome to the Fired Up Network. Welcome to the flagship show of the Fired Up Network, Fired Up Live, and welcome to NBA Jump Ball with Sports Fluent himself, Anthony K, and Captain Canada, Drew Ebanks. And Drew, every week from now on, did you ever interview Anthony K yet? On Point Basketball, yes. Hog your merchandise on, on international TV and everything like that. Did you, uh, Anthony, sit back here. I'm doing uh, the Greek a, a good favor here. Did <laughs> you ever interview Anthony K yet? Yeah, I interview him every week, it seems, right here on Fired Up. No, no, no. Um, you know what would listen, be good listen, for listen, you? Listen. Important news. Important news for Drew. I'm a double XL. I like that. <laughs> I'm from Oh, important, my God. Important you double news. XL. You're a big boy. You're a center. No way. First of all, there's no way you're a double XL, Anthony. All right? Yeah. There's no way you're a double XL. Good looking guy. I don't know. He's a, must be a big sad, sad How are you? 6'3", 260, guys. Wow, okay. six three two sixty. Yes. I got a filter on my camera that makes you look. <laughs> I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make a call to Chicago. The Bears need inside linebacker. All right, so <laughs> here we go. I look at. I look at Drew's office. And what do I see? What What are these boxes my house, here, bro? It's my house. It's your bro. house. All right. What I'm are cleaning these boxes up. here? Home Depot. They're getting a free plug there. I'm cleaning up. What are these boxes here? What What What's in those boxes? It's actually shoes. There's like oh oh shoes shoes. That's three boxes. That's three boxes right there. And I I was telling you guys off air. I gave away. I donated to Rexdale um, Hub uh, a few months ago where my cousin works. About four boxes of shoes. So Hmm. actually, he just said any any size thirteens back there. Pardon me. Any size thirteens back there. Twelve. I'm a twelve man. That's it. Close. <laughs> You're out of luck. He donates shoes. Have you ever donated to the president of the provinces of Canada? No. Have you donated? What's your What's your team called, Anthony? The GTA Mavericks. Doing a shoe drive That's coming it. up soon. More details next week. All right. A shoe. They're doing a shoe drive, Drew. They're doing a shoot. How apropos is this? This goes like a a glove here. Drewy Banks on nationwide international TV. Are you going to donate some shoes to Anthony's basketball team? As I said, we'll see what I can find. Those boxes right there have some gems. Those boxes right there have some gems. I can't give them all away. That's for sure. How do you wash shoes, Drew? Are you going to give them like like there is, or are you going to wash them? Wash them? They're like they're hardly even probably probably like jays in there that don't even have a crease in them. (laughs) No, I'm not that anal, man. I'm not that anal. They they've got some. Some of them have some wear. There might be a few in there. We we did a lot of work with uh, Under Armour for a few years as well, so we have some Curry's, a couple that I kept over, and then yeah, my Nikes, man. I'm a Nike guy, and. My Jordans and 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 KDs and Kyrie's, yeah, got to keep some of those. All right, you, sure. you mentioned KD. 
KD coming Woo! off his first game. Those role-player shoes. Yeah, let's go. For the Phoenix Suns, <laughs> first game for the Phoenix Suns, 23 points. Anthony, how do you think he looked in his first game? He looked great. He, he's He's been impressing me, like, obviously with the exception of the injury, all season. Uh, I came into this season thinking it was going to be his, you know, that start to every time the superstar starts to have that decline. And he came out to start the season looking better than he ever has. The injury obviously derailed that. He came into the Suns team. And the be- here's the great thing about KD, and I don't think people give him enough credit for this. He's the type of player that can fit into any system. A seven-foot guy that can shoot from anywhere on the court, just you can plug him in into any system. So he looked like he fit right into that Suns team, looked a little bit dicey there for a little bit. They're still trying to feel each other out, hit some big shots in the fourth. Yeah, he looked he looked good in the Suns. You know, if he stays healthy, that's the big if. They're going to be a team to watch out for in the West. All right, uh, Drew, are they the best Agreed. team in the West? I mean, unbelievable interchangeability, adaptability. Has there any? Has there ever been a player that can go into any team? I mean, you'd, you'd have to say LeBron. I think obviously could go anywhere and fit in. But as far as a scorer. Um, being able to just, you know, work off whatever's there, work off of Chris Paul, work off of Devin Booker, and get his 25-30 seamlessly, almost like he's just in his sleep. Um, shooting over, I was watching a breakdown of some of his shots, as elbow shots coming off the picks. And it's like the defender is right there. But when you're reaching up over top of the defender and you're shooting from about 9, 10 feet in the air, um, there's nothing you can do. We're witnessing one of the greatest scorers, one of the greatest players um, the, the history of the sport has ever seen. A seven-foot player who can essentially play point guard, who can play defense, does it all. And that's what I'm most impressed about KD. Years, you know, when he first came in, obviously a sharpshooter, 30, 35 a game, score on you. But when he started to take pride on that defensive end, especially with Golden State, and they became formidable because of his uh, prowess being able to be a two-way player. That's when I thought this kid is just, this man is just one of the best talents ever. Now he's had some issues social media wise, and he can be a bit sensitive. um, But when you look at it purely from a basketball point of view, this guy just wants to hoop. And it's beautiful, beautiful to see Kevin Durant on the floor. All right, let's go from Kevin Durant. You mentioned him earlier on. LeBron James, he was in a walking boot. They're they're saying it could be multiple weeks and all that. Uh, Drew, you'll start us off. You you had uh, your a history of injuries. A uh, history not of injuries. really, not really. I had one injury tore my. Yeah, Achilles. but what was it? Tell Anthony what 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 was it? It was my Achilles. Yeah, that was a first real mate. Well, I had an MCL sprain a few years ago, and that was due to playing football. He tore his Achilles wide. Why? Because he's getting old. 62 wow. years old. He's old. Well, the, 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 67 last week. You're going, you're going yeah, backwards. He, he, he shaved <laughs> his head a little bit, so he looks five years younger. So, like, look. Oh, my gosh. No, you know what? Um, obviously, I think with Achilles, and I, we, we were just talking about KD, um, you know, and that happened to him right here in Toronto. So we're definitely feel familiar with it. They say as you get older, obviously your part, you know, your body breaks down. But as far as Achilles, it becomes less elastic. 
the older you get. So, you know, you'd get that spring in it before, uh, but it's less elastic. Now, yeah, the, the forecast for LeBron, not uh, looking very good. How many weeks are they saying again? Multiple weeks. Injury? I, I believe they said there's no timetable. He's out yeah. indefinitely. Out indefinitely. That is, that is not good. And the, the the terrible thing about it is the Lakers, you know, they're, they're playing better. They're playing a lot better. And bringing over Russell and bringing over those guys that they did – um, you know, this team was kind of looking scary, guys. There was a lot of talk about no, you know, when they throw that in, no one wants to see the Lakers in the playoffs. Well, let's get them to the playoffs first. Um, you know, this could be good as far as seeing what they have without LeBron. This could be really bad if this injury uh, carries over and affects his play if and when they make the playoffs. So I'm a bit worried for, for him. Obviously, he's getting up in age. Those injuries that happen at this stage in your career past 35 take a lot longer to heal. I can attest to that. Anthony, you like the Lakers. What do you say? I, I'm going to start with LeBron. I'm going to move to the Lakers, and then I'm going to talk about the West really quickly. So one with LeBron. For those that aren't big fans of LeBron, Man, does he give them a lot of ammunition. Man, does he. So let me get this straight. The last two seasons were about winning because that's all you care about was what you said. But it's the first two seasons, I believe, in your career that you have led the league in field goal attempts. I'm sure that had nothing to do with chasing Kareem's record. <laughs> then you break Kareem's record and, oh, you're out for a couple of games. Come back for a minute and you heard something pop. But then you finish the game. And now you're gone for who knows how long. Like, for those that want to make a case, man, does he make it easy. For the rest of us that are being realistic, it's Taking really my unfortunate. Taking yeah. my talents. That was an easy one. That was an easy one, too. Taking my talents to South Beach. So, for the rest of us, though, it's it's really unfortunate. Because the Lakers were in a position where they finally put together a roster that made a lot more sense, right? What have we been saying the last few years? This roster's horrible. They finally made a couple of smart trades and put a team together. The biggest question mark always and forever will be AD and LeBron. Can they be healthy? Last night, they actually looked really good uh, beating who they beat. Um, uh, OKC. Um, with neither what? Without AD or LeBron. But they looked good. Mm-hmm. And they are scary if those two guys are healthy. Like before this season, I think the two the two when they played together won seventy percent of their games. They're really a formidable pair. Here's here's the other thing to Drew's point about they were looking good, but the West, what's going as bad as this? How much have we talked about how bad the Lakers are? They're four games out of fourth. <laughs> they're four games, out, and they're in eleventh place, four games out of fourth. The West is in sh- is is in shambles. Anyone can literally win this West. So can he get healthy? Can he D get healthy? If they can, I wouldn't want to face them in the playoffs. They can they could be the fourth seed just as easily as they could be miss the play in. That's just crazy. So yeah, and as you said, the injuries are the issue. Uh, if you have AD and him in there, and with all the shooting they have and all the guys with experience that they have with the Lakers, they can be a very scary team uh, down the stretch. But let's see how far they can get. And obviously, let's see how long this injury takes because the further it goes into March, uh, it's not going to be good for the Lakers' uh, playoff hopes, that's for sure. 19 games left. There's still a lot of time. 
to Anthony's point, uh, the West. So I'm going to ask you this. Who, I'll ask Anthony first, who's your favorite to come out of the West? It's, I know who you're going to say. The Sacramento Kings are going to make the NBA Finals. That's not ridiculous. That's not ridiculous to say that. <laughs> it's really not that ridiculous. They're they're the one team that's been consistent, but on, right now, I, I was, oof. okay. The old school guy in me says, you know, you, you know your favorite line from your favorite wrestler, right? Yep. To be the man. To be the man. You gotta beat the man. Boom! Well, Golden State is still the defending champs. If they're healthy, you know, they're sitting. What are they? They're the fourth, fifth seed. They're the fifth seed. Fifth they're seed. not. They're the fifth seed. It's not ridiculous. They sneakily come up, eh? They've sneakily. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't talked about them, but they've just been, you know, doing their Golden State thing. And in the playoffs, we didn't think they were going to win last year, did we? Did anybody pick them? I did. Get out of here. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's a lie. I did. So, so, so really, you know, if I'm picking a team, I'm not going to pick them, but I would say if that's the easy one to say, hey, Golden State are the Western Conference champs, the NBA champs, until someone knocks them off. But when you look at the talent of the Phoenix Suns, when you have KD, Booker, Paul, Ayton, just your starting lineup looks like an all-star game. How do you bet against them? I don't have faith in Denver. I don't know what the heck's going on with Memphis and John Morant, you know, waving guns at 17-year-old kids in the mall, right? Like, I have no idea what's going on there. (laughs) Do Do you trust the Kings? Never. Do you trust the Clippers? Hell no. You know, San Diego paper clips. What are they? They're never going to go to the final. Um, so who do you got? What, who else is in the in the play? In Dallas? In this, no defense? Minnesota? Eh. Utah? New Orleans? Like there's no. So yeah, I'll 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 give flip a coin between Phoenix and Golden State, and I'll take the Suns because they just got more talent. Drew. Well, um, you make some great points. I mean, as I said last week, to me, it's Golden State. Golden State, you got to beat Golden State. They're in the playoffs. It's not like they're fighting for play-in. You know, they're not in the playoff picture. Uh, and as we said, they kind of sn- sneaked up there into the position they are right now. And they're just getting by right now. They're just waiting, you know, hopefully that Curry comes back. But until somebody could dethrone them, they're the favorites to come out of the West. Denver, you can't rely on them 100%. We hope Jamal Murray, our guy, can really – you know, overcome the knee injury and he's had some soreness. Uh, I actually just was talking to Pops. Uh, he was at one of our events, our NJC on the weekend. Uh, uh, Roger uh, Murray, good friend of mine, and, and, his, and his wife were there watching their younger son uh, play and just said, yeah, he's, you know, he's hoping that Jamal is going to be good uh, and that, yeah, you know, he's just trying to do his best, obviously. And, you know, for we talked a little bit about getting it done. And, uh, you know, I think we both feel like this is the year for Denver. Like they have to really do, especially if uh, Jokic wins the third MVP in a row. I mean, my goodness, you got to get out of the West. You cannot lose. But then guess what happens? The Suns go and bring KD over to the Western Conference. And then Golden State continues to hang in there despite not having Steph Curry. So right now, Denver, right? Man, they're, they're feeling like snake bitten that, you know, the team they thought Golden State was done, and then they did not think anything really uh, about the Suns, especially after the way they got uh, unceremoniously booted out by Dallas last year. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it, it's intense. It's going to be great to see who really can come out of that Western Conference. Uh, and I think it's it's Golden State's 
really they're the ones who people have to come after and dethrone for that to happen. And and as you said about John Morant, why is John Morant trying to be a thug? Why is John Morant with a, an apparently good background? Uh, and, and, and why do you want to revert to that? I mean, it reminds me a little bit of what's going on with Gilbert Arenas. And man, we saw what happened with Gilbert Arenas. Guns. You can never be a good thing, guys. I think you wanted to add something. I, I was going to I blame rap music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, rap music is the rap scourge music. of the earth. <laughs> it's gotten into John Moran's head. But no, seriously, the one, I was going to say, there is a silver lining for Denver. There is a silver lining for Denver. Now, a lot of things can happen in the last 20 games, but if the playoffs were to start today, the good news is Phoenix plays Golden State. So for Denver, why that's good news is you don't have to play both of them. You only have to defeat one of them. So in the first round, again, if if it forget the plane for a second, the top eight teams, they're fortunate enough to play Minnesota, not Dallas in the first round. So that's good. In the second round, yes, it's going to be Phoenix or Golden State. But if they can get by them, again, according to standings, if all the favorites win, they got Memphis or or, or the Kings. So so there is a silver lining for Denver is that the path really only has one team you're going to be worried about with all due respect to um, to Minnesota and to the Kings or, or, or Memphis. Really, the, the, it's that second round matchup against Phoenix or Golden State. That you're like, if we can get through this, we, we can go to the NBA Finals. So there's a silver lining for Denver. So hopefully they, hopefully they get this. Finals are yeah. bust for them. Because I think so, you're right. I think Jokic does win his third MVP. And can you imagine not making a final as a three-time MVP? That that is my next question. We'll get to the East in, in just a second here. Right now, Anthony, you'll start Jokic with the MVP, yes or no? Uh, for me or for the media? Because I believe the media, media. Who cares about the media? The, uh, the only media that cares is Sports Fluent and Fired Up Network. Nobody cares just, about I'm, I'm, basketball either. So, like, look. I'm, I'm, give, I'm giving my MVP vote to Joel Embiid. Really? Yeah. he's He's All been right, second the last two years, and he's I think he's playing even better this year. Drew, what do you say? I would love to have jo- Joel win it. I think that balance in the in the league to you know what I mean, like three in a row. That's a real, that's a really big statement. There, there's a lot of great players that did not win three in a row, and you also have to factor in defensive big men are pretty much non-existent. So who is Jokic really playing on a consistent basis? I'm not taking nothing away from his skills and his passing. Oh, but he's not really facing guys that are known big men that can play D on a big man. He's playing a lot of times power forwards that are playing the five position. Um, you know, so for me, and, and if I, I may, would, undersized yeah, at that, undersized. undersized. That's that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's you're playing power forwards against Joker. It's not fair. And I think when you look at the dominance of Joel Embiid, and yeah, maybe they're not in first in the East, but they're pretty close to it. I don't see anybody really being able to stop Joel Embiid. So for me, I would agree with Anthony. I think this is the year where if you give it to Joker, you're saying something really serious about the game of basketball. You're saying, essentially, this guy is one of the probably five greatest centers or three greatest centers ever, and possibly one of the 10 or 15 greatest players in the history of the game by giving him three in a row. So I don't three, know. Three in a row. Last one to do it was Bird in the 80s, in the mid-80s. And then what was before that? 
Wilt, Kareem, I believe, was in the Wilt, Wilt? Right? Yeah. yeah, like there's three or four guys that have done it. You're putting them in, in that class when that's, that's the stratosphere, man. That's tough. And listen, and I like Embiid because again, he's not only doing it on the offensive end, but he's doing it on the defensive end too, to a level higher than Jokic. So, all right, let's get to tough. the let, let's get to the East. We'll talk about the Raptors in a few seconds here, and the East. Out of coming right now, we talk about Phoenix and Golden State in the West, probably those two with maybe Denver. But in the East, you probably could get me five teams. Take away Boston, because Boston is right now the best team with Milwaukee. They're neck and neck. Is is it Boston-Milwaukee in the East? Uh, Drew, I'll start with you. Well, I mean, if we're, you know, we just talked about Joel Embiid. If he has anything to say about it, No. That will not be the case. I mean, if they have the right combination of postseason play, James Harden actually shows up. Yes, they're able and they're very capable of making it to the Eastern Conference Championships. But I think Drew, again, you're forgetting one important thing. He's missing it out, Anthony. Fred Van Fleet had a baby. Fred Van Fleet had a baby. Fred Van Fleet. <laughs> Congrats, Freddie. Toronto, an NBA championship by having not one baby, not two babies, not three babies. Hell, next year, I'm I'm going on a limb. Next year, Fred Fleet will not, will not have a baby. No, this is the chance for the Raptors this year, Drew. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but yeah, getting back to the Philly, um, they can do it. I think they just need that performance from Harden. And but but you're obviously your favorites are the Bucks and Celtics. I mean. No one's really – I mean, the team has won 16 games in a row, Milwaukee, and really they're almost an afterthought. Is that because they've been so good, so consistent, or is that because there isn't a respect level uh, level uh, for Giannis? I mean, he has to be in the conversation now with this type of win streak, especially if they push it over 20. He could supplant Joker uh, as far as MVP, but I think it, you know ultimately it, it should come down to Milwaukee, Boston in, in that Eastern Final. But you know, be careful because if Philly gets it right, they get those ingredients stirring in the pot, they could be right there battling to get to the NBA Final. And Philly is going to go, but they're going to lose because the sem- uh, the Phillies went to the World Series, the Eagles <laughs> went to. <laughs> The Super Bowl. Philly went into the MLS Cup and lost. So I guarantee you it's going to be Philadelphia coming out of the NBA East and probably play uh, Phoenix or Golden State, and uh, Philly will lose. All right? Sorry, Joel Embiid. You'll be crying. Go ahead, uh, Anthony. Sadly, uh, we're not going to have that narrative of all the Philly teams making it to the finals and losing in their respective sports because – just like I mentioned in the West where Denver has that silver lining where they don't have to play Phoenix and Golden State, as it sits today, Philadelphia would have to play Boston and Milwaukee to make yeah. it to the NBA final. And I don't see a team being able to beat both of them in back-to-back series and making it to the NBA finals. So I still think in the East, unless they drop, like unless they find a way to, because Cleveland's only a game, but yeah, Cleveland's I mean, uh... No, three two and a half. Three games. I don't think it's going to happen. So unless they drop to the fourth seed, this this looks like in the East, it's going to be, again, assuming everybody's healthy, Milwaukee, Boston, or bust. Like that's It's Bucks, boston I think, um, representing the East in the NBA Final this year. As much as I, like I said, I would like to see 
someone different. Um, a 16-game win streak, did it, did it come too early? Are they peaking too soon? That's the only concern I have with the Bucs. Like if they run off, like you said, 20, 25 games, and then they get into that you know, lull right before the playoffs start, you know, be careful there. But um, Milwaukee looks like a team. Chris Middleton's still not 100%. Wow. They're still working Giannis their way. Not 100% Giannis is not 100%. Yeah, so again, that's if that's scary. healthy, that team is so scary. I just I have a feeling Boston makes it back again uh, based on what they learned last year. That's just a gut. I, I'd like to see Giannis. Even, even with Giannis just destroying the NBA? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's, he's, he's clearly the best player in the NBA. That doesn't always equate to being the MVP. That's why I didn't bring him up because he's clear. I, I, he's one of those where he won two, and they're like, oh, we can't give him a third one too soon. Uh, because look what are at we this. I mean, a 16-game win streak when no one's talking about you, and it could push it further along, and he's playing with some injuries and still doing that. I mean, he's got to be right. He's up not there. taking those nights off, right? He's not like, oh, I got a boot. I got a contusion. You got to love that, <laughs> you gotta love love that game right? Management. Game management. You, you have to love that. I mean, his demeanor, I mean, maybe it's because he's late playing basketball. Maybe he's not caught up in the whole uh, you know, U.S. system of, you know, AAU and all that. He didn't grow up in all that. But he has a freshness to him about the game and how he talks. And you saw him at All-Star Weekend absolutely having a ball uh, doing his things. He even said something about Mark Davis. I don't know if you guys caught that. Um, he, he, in the, uh, I think it was the celebrity game, he didn't realize that RJ had the mic on. And he made a, a disparaging comment a little bit about referee Mark Davis. And and RJ said, well, uh, I, I, the my, mic, my the mic. Up, to be honest, I was this. He's just innocent. He's just so, it's just a joy to see the love of the game uh, in that guy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I saw him last night in the highlights. He's hitting threes. He's catching loops with a with a, you know, hurt wrist. I mean, kudos, man. We, he's another one. We're just witnessing. It, it's hard to. Yeah. It's really hard to appreciate when you got a million things going on. But if you were able to just concentrate on certain guys, you'd be like KD and and Giannis, and and you'd just be like, wow, what like this talent is just it's the NBA is it's crazy right now. I, I learned I got a question for you, Drew. But first, I want on that point. I was at the University of Kentucky back when uh, Coach Rick Pitino was there, mm-hmm. and I was sitting up in the stands with him. We were, I was there at a basketball camp, and he said. What player on the court? And it was a bunch of NBA players and and UK alum. So I'm talking like Rex Chapman, Jamal Mashburn, like those guys were playing. And he says, "Which guy do you want to? You know, do you feel you could play the most like?" And I was and and I and I said Tony Delk, probably because he was the coach of my team. And I said Tony Delk. He goes, "Okay, block out everybody else. Just watch him for five minutes. Watch all the things that." he does when he doesn't have the ball when he's on defense when the you know the ball's on the other side of the court and that's when you'll really appreciate a player so to your point if we can isolate Giannis, KD, one of those guys just for 5 minutes and watch them you'll see Steph Curry's a great one to do this with by the way cuz I did it with him and you see all those little things they do that you'll never see on a box score you'll never see on a highlight package but man it makes a huge difference don't they have that? Point. They have that ISO cam in the NFL, right? They need to have that. that in the spotlight. NFL. Kobe, right. remember Kobe used to do that uh, uh, segment, the spotlight for ESPN, yes. and he would like shine the light on the person yes. and show them. I miss that. I miss that. <laughs> but you also said something about the freshness in Giannis. You cover a lot of youth basketball. I coach youth basketball. Are our kids playing too much basketball? 
Yes, hundred percent. And I actually spoke. Back to, oh, oh, hundred percent. I spoke to uh, a coach just before coming on air um, about our championships, and he was basically saying, "Drew, you know, we got the kids going to have to play if we make it to the final, and they're one of the top teams. Six games over three days, um, and you know, it, it's tough." because we have a lot of teams and he made a great point. Maybe we make it that not all the teams that want to be in that championship weekend are eligible, but I've said this for years, guys, there's too many games for youth because they're going, when you think of high school, some of these high schools are playing between 50 and 70 games. Then you don't play that many in college. Then right. Then you go to practice. Then you go like, uh, you know, some of them might be playing a little AU during the season, uh, some are actually doubling up and playing prep and high school. And yeah. then you go right in after your March playoffs, guys, you go right into AAU for another 30 to 50 games in the summer. So you're talking players in the youth, early teens, mid teens could be playing upwards of 100, 100 140 yeah, to 140 games a year. And that's why you see a lot of the bodies breaking down. You go back and you look at even a Derek Rose and he, and you look at even a Jamal Murray, playing a lot of games and you look at the wear and tear and all of a sudden you make that move and your knee goes, you know what I mean? So yeah, I agree a hundred percent. We're a factor guys. We're at fault because we have three prep circuits as well for the juniors. We have one and for the senior seniors, we have two, but what I'll say to you guys is this for me and our circuits, we only have teams playing three games over two days over uh, three days usually, but they play one game one one day, two games the other, and that's it. There are that's other it. circuits that are playing four for the weekend. I don't believe in that. I believe in kids um, playing a maximum of three over a weekend and also being able to get rest. And we also leave a lot of leeway, uh, sorry, lead time to each game, uh, approximately half an hour to 20 minutes warm up for these elite athletes. Okay, so. I'm going to put the 24 seconds knock off. We got two yes, minutes, go minutes left. We got to talk about the Raptors. It's a right? great question, though. It's a phenomenal question. It's it's a great question. You, you, I'm going to need to talk. On and on and on. It's like watching the president of the United States talk. He talks about you're, nothing. All right. You're welcome. So you're on. welcome, Joe, for all that great content. Yeah, oh, right. amazing. Thank you for the okay, question. I'm not welcome. It's the fans of the Fired Up Network. Fans. They just learned. The fans just learned. The kids All are right, playing too much. I, I got to go to the Raptors. Where you, okay. By the time you're going to put Raptors. Talk about the Raptors. Talk about the Raptors. By the way, I mentioned, we mentioned last week, Brooklyn will fall out. They're losing faster than Drew Ebanks losing here, okay? So uh, it looks like if if the Raptors hey. go on a win, hey, what? If the Raptors could go on a win streak, by the way, they're playing Washington now, back-to-back against Washington. These are critical games for Raptors. They're 31-32. and They got to go 500. What do you think? Can I tell you a little story about Washington? Go ahead. Why am I talking? Go. So so your boy Mo, right? Mo Pete, I saw him a couple weeks ago, had a chance to talk to him for a few minutes, and he was signing autographs. And uh, a gentleman and, a, and his girlfriend, I believe, or wife came and And one of the questions, you know, at, there weren't a lot of people there. He said to Mo, what was your greatest moment in basketball? And guess what Mo said? Meeting me. Meeting me. The Washington game. They threw it up in the air and he caught it. And... That, I still to this day, I'm still like, I can't believe that shot. For those, for those that don't know, the Washington had the lead. Washington. 
the Washington player threw the ball up in the air thinking the time was going to expire. It comes back down. Mo Pete catches it, hits a phenomenal shot, and the Raptors win. So be it's careful when you're throwing the ball up in the air to run up the clock. Three-pointer and Mo Pete, one of, uh, one of uh, Fired Up Network's friends. And yes, yeah, and great we're gonna guy, get Mo Pete. We're gonna. He told me he saw you. I just spoke to him uh, yesterday, actually. Amazing. He told me. Drew Ebanks looks older than ever, man. And like that's what he said. So I, I was, I was telling because you, because that's what he mentioned. You, I said you gotta about, meet Anthony K. He get you. We'll get you more sports fluid. Well, between sports fluid and on point basketball, what do you have? Well, you're getting fired up here. All right, let's talk up, about the Raptors for a couple minutes here. Uh, Anthony, what do you expect this week? Back to back games against Washington. Critical time. Raptors sitting, I believe, ninth right now. Mm. If they could pull themselves into sixth. Or, or they're not going to get five, let's face it. But in the six range there, uh, I know they probably play Philadelphia, but still, this is critical, critical time for the Raptors. Go ahead, Anthony. Two, you know, I thought I thought it was a home-and-home home at first, but it's not. It's two road games in Washington, um, which they're going to split them. Like, let's be honest, they're going to split them. The Raptors are, what, four and six in the second half of back-to-backs this season, so they're not good in back-to-back games. They're inconsistent, right? I wrote an article for Fired Up. You can go check that out on FiredUp.ca, uh, Fired Up Network, excuse me, .ca, um, where they played well against Detroit and win, and then they come back against Cleveland the next night and look horrible, inconsistent. Then the last game, they come back, and hey, they, they actually look pretty good again, shooting the ball well, play. So the thing with the Raptors all season has been inconsistency. So what do I expect this weekend? I expect them to be inconsistent. I expect them to play 500 basketball for the rest of the season. That's who they are. I do like I do like the signing um, uh, that they got from, I guess he was in Washington most recently, right? Um, uh, why am I drawing a blank oh, on that his name? Was, um, um, oh, my God. Yeah, it was oh in Denver God. as well. Oh, my God. It, oh, uh, it's Will Barton. Will Barton. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, I, I, I was very confused. We have the youngest one on the panel here. I got a brain. Yeah, the, like, I got it. I got it. I got it. It was. Re- it was actually when when Denver traded Will Barton to Washington. That trade seemed like an yeah. odd trade, and then Washington releases him in the buyout market. Great, you know the Raptors get a get a guy who'd come in and score. So I I do like um, the pickup, but. There's something about this team. It's just they're really, really inconsistent. Um, that game that they did win a couple of nights ago, like or last night, Fred Van Vliet, two nights ago, Van Vliet goes one of 11, right? Like if they don't have a ridiculously good offensive rebounding game, I think 20 to six in offensive rebounds in favor of them, they lose that game. It's just, I don't know what's going on with this team. So I hate to say it, it doesn't matter where they finish. They're looking like a first round exit, which is really crazy for a team again i've said this how many times this season so talented we loved nick nurse as a coach but now maybe the players don't so it's it's unfortunate i think the raptors have an opportunity they have the talent they look it's not too late 20 games they can get it together and if they do then they can make some noise but the inconsistency is going to kill them all right go go ahead drew yeah i'd agree uh obviously inconsistency obviously the defensive intensity and the consistency on defense, which they've had that have led to successes before. They simply don't have a number one guy. They have a bunch of guys that can get it done on various nights. But what I liked about the other night was Scotty Barnes 
the bounce. He looked like he had that mojo back. He was getting after it on defense. He was on the offensive glass with four offensive rebounds. So if there is a silver lining, it's definitely Scotty Barnes. But I think they need to continue to come together defensively. They need to figure out who is their go-to guy. And I think Freddie, again, needs to be more of an assisting player, more of a distributing point guard, a leader. Who is the leader? Who galvanizes this Raptors team? They need to find that. If they can find that, they can win some games and get in that sixth spot. I, w- I want to throw in another thing because we talked about it at the trade deadline where we'd heard rumors about OG wanting to have a bigger role and asking for a trade and whether that was true or not. Did you see the body language on OG a couple of times where late in the game, Siakam's doing what he does, that spin, move, float, or miss, right? That's what he does in the last two minutes of every game. Spin, move, float, or miss. And I just see OG sitting there in the corner open with like shoulders down, head down going, again? Like kick it out to me do or do something different. So there's clearly frustration there too. And that's obviously not a good sign heading heading into, you know, if you're going to try to make a run here late in the season. Well, if you're noticing that, they should notice that and they should switch it up. Why not give OG a chance to be that closer and and let the other guys play off of him? They've got to notice the body language as well. I'm sure they, I'm sure they do. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned Study Barnes, but, you know, what's the first three quarters, he, he can't find a bucket. And yeah. then, you know, he again, he had a horrible shooting night too until the end. He had a couple of dunks and made it look better. But he's not, I don't, he, now good for him, resiliency really does other things in those three quarters, playmaking, defense, like you said, those offensive rebounds, doesn't seem to be able to hit or make any shots until the fourth. I, I, is it just his second year? I get it. So maybe I'll just give it to the exuberance of youth. But I give him credit then as well for sticking to it. You know, when, when you're having a bad game, sometimes you put your head down. You're, you're wrong. He doesn't do, that. Quarter, he doesn't do that. Fourth quarter, Scotty. And, and the fourth quarter, you know what he does? He gets refreshed. Ah, uh, the big fresh, the big freshy. Refresh, Scotty. It's fourth quarter time. Scotty, refresh. All right, Drew Ebanks, start us off. Anything going on for you and your your circuits and all that? And Anthony, put put their twenty four second shot clock because this guy ten, <laughs> not even tens, goes over. I guarantee you. Put the clock on right now, Drew. Thirty seconds. All right, this weekend the OSBA Final Eight. That is the Ontario Prep League. Their uh, championships are this weekend, boys and girls. If you can get out to the Toronto Pan Am Center in Scarborough, games are going on right now. Girls quarterfinals today, boys quarterfinals tomorrow, four games each day. Then you come Saturday, the semifinals for both girls semifinals, both boys. And then the championship is Sunday, 12 noon for the girls, 3 p.m. for the boys. And then next weekend, it's our three circuits, the National Junior Circuit, National Senior Circuit, Platinum Circuit. All three championships, March 9th to 11th. And I just got off the phone with my guy, Michael Meeks of Canada Basketball. He's coming through on the 9th, I believe, or the 10th, one of the days, the 9th, and checking out some of our young players. So that's fantastic. We have so much talent, guys, at the junior level right now, grade 9s and 10s and even 11s. Oh, and the BioSteel game, that's coming on April 1st and 2nd. The selections were on TSN earlier. There's a lot of great players on there. Some snubs as well. I think what we can do maybe is next week, guys, get familiar with some of these names and maybe we can break down the the, the boys and girls rosters, uh, talk about some of the talent that's coming up. Unbelievable. Some of the players are also playing in the States 
a guy like Jimma James. Make sure you Google him and see the talent he has. So we're doing our thing. Onpointbasketball.com, On Point Basketball on Instagram, and Drew Banks. On this was two, two minutes and four. No, no, no. I heard the beep. I heard the beep before. He this guy's calling Taco Bell. He's calling Taco Bell there. He had four, Bing bong. He had four <laughs> offensive rebounds. There's nothing I can do about it. This is, he had four offensive rebounds. All right, go ahead, Anthony. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it easy. It's easy and simple. One, just go to sportsfluent.com. It has the links there to everything. So the links to uh, IG, Twitter, TikTok, which is sports underscore fluent. The links to Players Choice. The links to the Fired Up Network. If you want to get your kid uh, the best basketball program, the GTA Mavericks. The link is there as well. So everything you want at sportsfluent.com. Champs, the Mavericks. We're gonna see them soon. Tell the Mavericks we coming through. All right, we're gonna hang out. We're gonna go through some social media. We're gonna we're gonna have fun with the kids. Bro, I have 10 seconds. We have a big show tonight on Players Choice YouTube tonight at 9 p.m. We are going to either prove either true or false a bunch of NBA narratives. I don't want to call them false narratives because some of them are... So if you guys have any, i ask you right now. If not, you can send them to anthonyk at sportsfluent.com. What are the biggest NBA f- narratives that you want proven true or false? Do you want me to give you a couple of examples of what we're doing? One more thing before we go. Kobe McEwen, Toronto native. Kobe McEwen, my guy. Saw him a couple weeks ago. He is signed by the Raptors 905. I'll be put there a Bell in it, to check him out. He called you. Put a First of all, first of all, I got to give a shout out to Anthony K here. Anthony K has to not only check out Sports Fluent, and, and I'm not going to say 9 o'clock he starts, but so you know, everybody, uh, Drew arrives late. Arrives late because we still have fired up going from seven to nine thirty. Okay, so that that's number one. Number two, check him out. He always writes great stuff. He does the game reports for the Fired Up Network, FiredUpNetwork.ca. Number three, before we go, Drew Banks in front of millions and millions of fans. All right. Drew Banks, when are you going out to see the GTA Mavericks? When I can't are you going put to a date it on it, bro. I'm, so, so, no, no, no. You see what? what I've got in my schedule the next no, couple weeks. I don't weeks. care about your schedule. We're going to get there. are the most important game and teams in the GTA. We're going to go see the Mavericks and have some fun with the Mavs. Trust me. I'm going to down there. There's more breaking news. When are you going to give some of your shoes to the uh, GTA Mavericks. I will pull out the shoe there. Oh, there you go. Now you're more fluent. Nice. All right, now you're more fluent. Thanks Let's a see what lot. These ones are. Let me take a look. Check out Sports Fluent. Look at this. Check out Sports Fluent. Look at this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This guy gift me those shoes last Ooh. year and I still didn't receive them. These have what not been worn yet, my friend. Look at those beauties. KDs. I'm, I'm, uh, the producer's got to do a job. Hold Whoa. on, Anthony. I'm putting the patented. Ooh. All right, hold on. And Drew, show me your shoe. Ooh, show me your baby. shoe. Ooh, baby. I I these are these are the uh, KD Seven Elites right here. The right, KD Seven Elites. Anthony, show your shoe. Those are the tuxedo Jordans. For people who don't know, this was the Fired Up Network shoe moment of the week. Come on, Nike, come through. We need some sponsors right here. Nike, get with it. We need some sponsors on the Fired Up Network. We got KDs. We got Jordans. Come on. 
get on right. it and get so on there, there it goes. Uh, these are Anthony K. He'll get you more sports fluid with Jordans and uh, Drew Ebanks on point basketball, who has millions and millions of shoes, and he still didn't give one to me or Anthony. All right, that that's enough. All right, Drew, enough. I made. Well, that's uh, Anthony K. Sports Fluent. Check him out. Also on Sports Fluent uh, YouTube. And, of course, Captain Canada, Drew Ebanks, OnPointBasketball.com. A great NBA jump ball. Now, this weekend, we got MMA, UFC 285, John Jones. John Jones makes his return to the UFC. And we got AEW Revolution uh, on Sunday. It's going to be a big um, mixed martial arts and a wrestling weekend here for for you fans. And we're going to talk about it now with Giancarlo Alino on the wrestling slash on the mat wrestling show slash UFC on guard show wrestling show on the mat wrestling show preview of AEW Revolution and then UFC on guard preview of UFC 285. Then we're going to be joined by the newest Hottest free agent who's not a free agent now, and the grizzled young veteran Marty Roberts will also join us. Hey, everybody, this is Joseph Hasek, and welcome to the Fired Up Network. Welcome to the flagship show of the Fired Up Network, Fired Up Live, and welcome to the wrestling show with my good friend Giancarlo Lino. Let's get to it. Uh, Giancarlo, who really was going to take a subtle shot at me uh, for the last two weeks, saying, Oh, Trish Stratus did not appear. Trish Stratus did not appear. Well, what happened on Raw on Monday, Giancarlo, did not say uh, they were going to... Where's my Barry Horwitz? Where's my pat on my back? All right, put up your hand. I'll pat it on the back. Come on. I'm with <laughs> your hand. Put on my hand. Oh, like the Miz? <laughs> yeah, like the Miz, yeah. All right. Trish Stratus, by the way, it looks now that they were going to do this for WrestleMania. It was going to be Trish and Bailey. But now it looks like that, uh, as you know, Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler are going to challenge for the ladies' title. Now I have heard that maybe Becky and Lita lose, or it may be Becky, Lita, and Trish against damage control with Becky and Lita losing on the second night to Shayna and Ronda. All right? There you go. What do you think of that, Giancarlo? Yeah, it's risky. It's a uh, double duty. I think it would take attention off of one feud. And I don't know, I'm not too crazy about that. The whole uh, one night, one match, the other night, another match. I think if you're going to build it up, somebody's going to end up being damaged. Like their character will be damaged in a way because you could have put more effort into another build. So. I think they should just do the six-woman tag and have Ronda and Shayna maybe win a number one contenders match and then win uh, on the Raw after Mania. Or they could still do that match and then Bailey against Trish. That could be another good match at WrestleMania because I don't know if you know this, but this Monday in Boston, you can't see him, but you really can. But you can't see him. Yes, it's going to be John Cena and Austin Theory. And here's the question. Does John Cena do the job? Because he's been doing a lot of jobs. He's coming back. He got destroyed by The Undertaker one WrestleMania. So does he do the job to A-Town down? Yeah, and I think it is going to be A-Town down on John Cena's uh, 
nice little comeback. I think Austin Theory gets the win there because I think they have uh, a lot of high hopes for him. If Austin Theory doesn't win, I think this will mean that they end up wrestling again at Backlash. So if uh, Austin Theory loses, I think that we'll see a rematch probably the month after. Okay, last week on SmackDown, uh, Paul Heyman uh, read something from Roman Reigns saying, uh, Jimmy, or is it Jay, whatever, take care of your brother, and uh, if not, I'll be here next week to take care of Well, he's going to be here. He's going to be here tomorrow uh, at SmackDown. He's going to sort of take care of the problem, but Cody Rhodes is another problem. Are we, like, I'm going to ask you point blank, People still want to see Sami Zayn. Are you happy if they go Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens against the Uzos? Or are you happy with Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes, and Roman? Yeah, I think uh, they got it wrong here. And uh, hopefully this is a lesson for the next year that instead of booking the Royal Rumble based on an injury, you book it on what's the hottest angle. So uh, I think we're still going to get the tag match. Right now they're teasing that Jey Uso could be the one that emerges there and turns on Roman. I don't see it. I think this will eventually lead to that tag team with uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. John Carlo, I got to ask you a question. How's my hair? I'm I'm re- I'm asking this truthfully because I actually was invited to Solo Sokoa's wedding. Congratulations to Solo Sokoa also and John Carlo. We're going to do AEW, but I- I'll let the cat out of the bag. <clears throat> And hopefully he he uh, uh, Daniel Bryan does what he said he's going to do at, on Dynamite. MJF, I'm getting calls. You know we're Jewish, my good Jewish friend. Getting calls from your former fiance, John Carlo. What do I do? Hang up. MJF's former fiance <laughs> is calling me. Do I answer the phone or not? I would say no. If uh, he's your friend, uh, you don't do that. You won't, but you're my friend also. Never mind. All right, let's get let's get to uh, Raw. Like we talked about, big thing. Trish Stratus coming out. Anything on Raw, or you want to conclude anything on SmackDown last week? Yeah, Bray Wyatt and uh, Bobby Lashley. They're doing the Muscle Man dance again. So I don't blame Brock Lesnar for turning that down. The Muscle Man dance. Yeah, the Muscle Man, and this guy comes out like a like huge and he can't take anything and then they go to Bray Wyatt dancing around with the uh, and, and that will make me run run away that's what makes me do run away there but let's talk about almost or like Brock Lesnar says almost and Brock Lesnar now the only reason they th- I think they put this match is because Brock Lesnar has lost time and time again and almost as huge but this is another, should be another squash match about two, three minutes, shouldn't it? I think this uh, could be longer. I think Brock Lesnar is going to take this personally that uh, they put him in a program early on with Bray Wyatt. This is not even Bray Wyatt. We don't even know what's going to come next. Like This is not even the final uh, storyline form of him where he has this whole Wyatt six. So I guess it's like, oh, we're going to throw Brock with him and uh, Bray goes over. So I think Brock took offense to that, and probably that's why he turned it down. And I think he's going to get a good match out of almost. So uh, I actually have some, I think, underrated matchup at WrestleMania, and I think Brock Lesnar is going to have some surprises there. By the way, for those who people who have emailed me, 
WrestleMania, April 1st, April 2nd. Then May 6th, it's Backlash. Not WrestleMania Backlash. Backlash. And then May 27th, from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the king and queen of the ring. All right? Yes, Xavier Woods is finally going to pull out his crown. Selena Vega is back to being the queen. All right? The king and queen of the ring, May 27th from Saudi Arabia, and then Backlash on May 6th. So those are the next two premier live events. But before we get to a premier live event, tomorrow or, or um, on Saturday at Coca-Cola Coliseum, right here, the home of the Toronto Marlies, we got a good, good house show, and we have a rematch. Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns for the WWE Undisputed title. Now, if they really, really want to shake up plans, Sami Zayn wins in Toronto, which would be a mistake. Like, I, I don't understand. This guy, they do a pay-per-view, the highest pay-per-view ever in his hometown of Montreal. No, you're going to lose in your Montreal, but you're going to win in Toronto. He's not going to win, but imagine if that happens. Yeah, that won't happen. I think this is going to turn into a tag team match, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Roman and Solo Sokoa. So I think this is going to be a card subject to change match. I would be surprised if everyone in uh, Coca-Cola Coliseum, they see a good tie-up. Maybe Roman uh, gets attacked from behind. Sami Zayn uh, looks like he's going to do something, and then Solo Sokoa just runs out and turns into a tag match. So I don't think this is going to be one-on-one. Solo Sokoa, by the way, on the same card, is scheduled to face Kevin Owens. All right. So, uh, and by the way, I'll let the cat in the back. Little surprise going to happen at Coca Cola Coliseum Saturday. Trish Stratus will appear. Don't you? This is, you come with exclusive news here. No one else has that. By the way, Charlotte against Sonia Deville. Sonia Deville was arrested for carrying firearms, by the way. That's the latest news there. Rested for carrying firearms. All right. So anything else in WWE you want to talk about before we go to all elite wrestling? Yeah, I'm good. We covered that. All Looks right. uh, exciting there, that card. Let's get to all elite wrestling. By the way, I'm going to – kudos. What The face of the revolution match, ladder match, whatever – Powerhouse Hobbs, who's legit 300 pounds, goes on a ladder where it's half broken, and they had 17 referees. Hold! If you saw it, hold, hold the ladder. They don't even show the referees. They show power, and it took him five minutes. And, and, and they talk about money in the bank briefcase. But what is that, a lifesaver? Or what, what did they have, a donut at the top of a thing? What is that? They should be. If you're going to do Face of Revolution, just have some revolution on it and and that's it they have like a, a lifesaver on it powerhouse hobbs that could be a good match powerhouse hobbs the mojo powerhouse hobbs against the wardlow i know we saw it but what do you say about that yeah i think we already saw it so i think it was a little bit of a waste if uh they could just put powerhouse hobbs back in that and make it a triple threat again i think those guys had a really good match the last time they were in there so I think they made the poor guy almost uh, get injured by going on top of the ladder like that. That could have been avoided. Uh, we saw Sammy Guevara almost have his neck broken, so they didn't want to see that. So I just hope they, when they do these kind of ladder matches, the kind of spots they're doing, just 
Like taking an account, this is on TV. Like unless it's a pay per view, and why it's is worth the risk. We see John Moxie like bleeding every week. Like I don't think that's necessary to sell the match, but that's me. Uh, they're able to do whatever they want. And you mean John Moxley, who who loves what he's doing in a stairwell? He loves what he's doing, and Hangman Page. I don't know. He was in a stairwell, and where was Hangman Page? Like in a parking lot or something like that. Like the, these promos, like unbelievable. But now let me ask you another one. They have this fatal tag team, whatever they call it, battle royal or whatever. Okay, every tag team's in there. Every they they brought back the kingdom. They brought back every, but the team. The Young Bucks gets attacked. They're a tag team. The House of Black are a tag team, but they, they're not even in. They got every, and they pick Dalhausen and Orange Cassidy to win. The greatest is tag there, team on the roster. Is there is there a curse, John Carlo? Yeah, I was I was good uh, with that kind of booking decision. They did it, They got it right there. I like it. I want to see those two win the titles. Uh I just think the whole match was just a cluster. I don't think it was uh, mapped out properly. Just it's too confusing having all these teams. Some of them, like they were coming into AEW as a big deal, like uh, the Kingdom when it was in Toronto. They made it look like they were going to take over AEW. Haven't seen them since. Probably going to be on Ring of Honor. So I thought this whole match could have just been a gauntlet. Could have saved time. But having the whole battle royal, royal rumble element, it just made it really confusing. Uh, and and they, who's this new guy, Commander or whatever? This guy was making moves like crazy. They're obviously the next all elite. He's all elite. It's gonna be this guy. All right. So put it that way. Now, after Dynamite, if you saw social media and all that, my good friend Eddie Kingston has quit AEW. By the way. Ring of Honor starts on uh, uh, Honor Club today. Do you know what happens with Eddie Kingston? I'll tell you. He has challenged Claudio Castanelli to the title. So wait a minute. He has quit AEW, but he's the number one contender for a world title in the other. John Carlo, you talk. Like, like, uh, the... I don't, is he getting punished or something? Is this a demotion? No, like I know Ring of Honor. It's on uh, Honor Club. They, they made him the number one contender to Ring of Honor. So he's not good I think for he's going to be there full time. No, he's a Ring of Honor now, it looks like, full time. So he's not good for AEW, yeah, so. but he's a, he's a, in the main event of Ring of Honor. Figure, so I hope they compensate him well. Ring of Honor? Yeah, I, I hope they compensated him well because he's going from national TV. He was in uh, storylines with CM Punk. Brian Danielson, Chris Jericho, and now he's in Ring of Honor on uh, an app, Honor Club. So I think he could have done a lot more stuff in AEW. I don't say he doesn't have to obviously win the world title, but I think there's still a lot of programs for him that they barely even uh, touched with him. Unbelievable how how they have, and and he's a talent. You know, him and Moxie are best friends, and, and he's a talent. And I don't know what they're doing there. I, I really don't know what they're doing there, but congratulations, Ring of Honor now moving to t- sort of, sort of new home, new TV and everything like that. So congratulations there. And by the way, in two weeks, Giancarlo, I know you're excited. I know you're excited. Two weeks, Dynamite and Rampage from Winnipeg. 
from Winnipeg. And by the way, speaking about from Winnipeg, we all know Chris Jericho, Don Callis, but there's another guy from Winnipeg who could be a free agent now, who's a champion now, all right? So that, uh, we're talking about Kenny Omega. Could Kenny Omega stay in AEW or go to the WWE? Giancarlo, what do you think? And he said in recent interviews, and Kenny, by the way, don't do interviews with other companies. Do interviews with the number one company, Fired Up. We get you fired up. Look at Giancarlo, all right? He's always fired up, all right? Where do you think Kenny Omega should go, Giancarlo? At this point of his career, I think he would be doing himself a disservice if he didn't at least like take advantage of the free agency and talk to WWE, talk to all these other companies because he's 40 now. And I think right he already started AEW. Uh, Cody Rhodes took advantage of that time. He got a great deal from WWE. So I don't see any harm in Kenny Omega talking to WWE, see what he can get. If AEW gives him a better offer and something that he's happy with, I think uh, he would stay. But I think WWE might be a little bit more appealing to him. And let, let's face it. If you looked at Cody Rhodes, he's in the main event of WrestleMania in six months because six months he was injured. Remember that. He was injured for six months. So if you look at it, Cody Rhodes in the main event of WrestleMania. I don't have to tell you. Yes, you got All Out and Revolution and, and all this uh, uh, full gear. But does that anything compared to WrestleMania, the Stanley Cup, the Super Bowl, the World Series, the NBA Finals? Wimbledon, I'm, I'm mentioning every sport. The World Cup of Soccer. AEW All Out. <laughs> All right. And by the way, we're going to close this portion of AEW with a couple things here. It looks like it looks like AEW is going to come back to Toronto in May. That's what I have heard. Again, you're hearing exclusive news. All right. In May, it looks like AEW is coming back to Toronto. Now, I'm going to ask you this. Has the luster of AEW worn off? Because everybody was talking about, oh, this is amazing. Uh, this is amazing. Now, Cody Rhodes in WWE. Potentially, Kenny Omega going to WWE. Are you still, you're, you're still interested in AEW, but has the luster gone off? I think a little bit. And uh, just from the last AEW taping, I think what they need to communicate to people buying tickets is, they're taping Rampage, but there was at least two hours of dark before that. So by the time Rampage started, I think it took some of the life out of the crowd a little bit. Uh, Ethan Page was the most over guy. They didn't even put his entrance on TV. And uh, I thought that was interesting. And I just think they need to change something. Like if you're going to tape dark, maybe do one episode instead of two. You want to get the best possible reaction for when your TV taping comes up. So I think they should have done one taping of dark. Uh, take advantage of uh, Universal Studios for the other taping and go from there because I think there was a lot that they could have done with that Toronto show. All right. So that is the wrestling show here on the Fired Up Network. We're getting to the On The Mat Wrestling Show, AEW Revolution pay-per-view, not Giancarlo. I want to emphasize, not Premier Live event. This is a pay-per-view. You know what that means from... You know, it's Sunday. You know what that means? 
the show, the, the buy-in starts at 7, whatever. The show starts at 11. And I'm telling you, we got an hour main event. So this show is going to be finished. Allegedly at an hour. Yeah. I know you're going to go 12 minutes, right? <laughs> but but uh, this show probably will finish around 12.15. All right, Giancarlo? I'm not. I'm not going to ask you to do a post show uh like tv show all right i actually have you know sympathy i'm the president of province of canada and everything like that so i will not but you better write a a report on it all right so there you go we're gonna preview the aew revolution paper from the chase center of the golden state warriors yes let's get to it i don't know what uh, matches are going to be in the buy-in but who cares nobody's buying into this chris jericho Versus Ricky Starks. Go ahead, John Carville. I think Ricky Starks should win. Uh, I think they're probably going to do something here where Ricky Starks maybe gets a finish from like a DQ gone wrong, or someone's going to interfere. It's going to go wrong, and Ricky Starks gets a win, and they're going to have a rematch on uh, the Dynamite in Winnipeg. I think Jericho wins. I think Jericho wins. This is a pay per view. Jericho has been losing all the pay per views. I think Jericho win all right now i know you're excited about the aw world tag team titles the guns the acclaim jeff jared jay lethal versus who john carlo the greatest tag team on the roster dan housen and uh orange cassidy yeah and don't tell me you're picking them oh yeah you see orange cassidy how resilient he was he had the tape on the ribs just went in there, cleaned house. I think they're going to win the tag titles. So you're saying, and, and you know, every show you do a ludicrous statement, all right? This is John Carlos' hot take of the week. Ludicrous statement of the week. You're saying Dowhausen and Orange Cassie are your new AEW champions. Yes. I think uh, the guns and the acclaimed are going to end up fighting off and it's going to lead Jeff Jarrett to take a pin there from Danhausen, and that's going to start the tag team feud, and it's going to get the guns and the acclaimed in a secondary program with Billy Gunn eventually turning on them in a few months. I actually, well, first of all, <laughs> Orange Cassie and Danhausen will not win the tag team titles. That's number one. But I think we're going to have new tag team champions. I think Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal will become tag team champions. And let's face it, Jeff Jarrett losing his dad a couple weeks ago, I think they're going to give him a big title there, all right? Now, for the AEW Women's World Championship, Jamie Hayter, Ruby Soho, and Soraya, a.k.a. Paige. Go ahead. Yeah, this has been the most confusing uh, buildup I've seen for a match. I don't even know how it started, what made them want to feud. Who's representing who? Uh, but I see uh, Jamie Hayter retaining. And after the match, we'll probably see something where uh, Soraya and uh, Ruby Soho are uh, going at it. And that's Tony Storm uh, coming in to beat up Ruby. And that sets up the next feud. Giancarlo, Giancarlo. Where's this pay per view from? You could see it here on the screen the Chase Center in San Francisco, California, correct? Yeah. Mercedes Monet or Monet, I like the theme song by the way. She reappeared in New Japan Pro Wrestling a couple weeks ago in San Jose, 
California. That's about an hour away from San Francisco. Maybe two. Who cares? I'm, I don't live in California. Could we see... And you know, Revolution and, and All Out and usually every pay-per-view, not premier live event. Correction, John Carlo. It, there's somebody new coming in. Could we see Monet come in to AEW to stir up the pot? Paige is there and, and Ruby Soho is there. And, and everybody likes my dentist. So go ahead, Giancarlo. Yes or no? I'm going to say not yet. I think for Forbidden Door, that's when we'll do it. When uh, the champions of uh, New Japan and uh, AEW usually uh, mingle there. But I think we'll see that saved for uh, double or nothing. Samoa Joe Wardlow for the TNT Championship. And don't forget the winner faces... You know, powerhouse Hobbs. And by the way, by the way, John Carlo, they spent weeks, months with the book of Hobbs. Where's his book? Probably in that lifesaver or that book? Uh, thing they pulled down from the ring. That wasn't a book. That was a lifesaver. All right, go ahead. Give me your thoughts on this match. I think this is going to be a double DQ. Uh, no contest, and it's going to lead to the triple threat probably. And uh, they're really building up that Winnipeg show, so I think it's going to be on that dynamite, and uh, that's where Powerhouse Hobbs will win the title. All right, so with this now, as I mentioned, is from San Francisco, California. Why, oh, why do we have a Texas death match? Why can't they call it a California? Collision match or something like that. John Moxley, Hangman Page. Arguably, this is going to be a good, good match. What do you say? Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, a good match on the card. I think it will be a long one, too. I see Hangman Page getting the win and uh, furthering the storyline with those two. But I think this is going to be Hangman Page's way of uh, one-upping John Moxley and it's going to be interesting, the whole Blackpool Combat Club. I don't know what's going on there, but I think eventually they'll play a part in this feud. I actually think John Moxley is going to win, and, and who knows what's going to happen with, uh, you know, his, uh, Hangman Page's group, the Dark Order and uh, Blackpool Combat Club and uh, whatever. Now, on our match, we got my Jewish friend, Maxwell Jacob Friedman against Brian Danielson, and let me tell you something. This promo that Brian Danielson cut on Dynamite, Giancarlo, if you if you don't say the correct pick, you're going to get – never mind, I'm not going to swear. All right, go ahead. Because could you believe Daniel Bryan, yes, 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 or Brian Danielson, yes, 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 clean cut, never swears at the WWE, never does anything. I think MJF was surprised also, first of all, that he mentioned his girlfriend, and second of all, what he said. He said he's going to kick his MF head in. Carlo? Yeah, I don't, th I don't think uh, Tony Khan was surprised because it seemed like they had the production cut production ready to go crazy. there. That wasn't like a beep beep. That was, that was like standing ovation at, at the Rogers Center or something like that. That was a perfectly timed cut. So Tony Khan knew that one was coming. Uh, the one with MJF before, uh, that was more of the uh, accidental bleep that they had to do. So 
this one uh, played its part. I think uh, Brian Danielson needed a good promo like this just to get some more attention. But he also said they keep bringing up the one-hour thing and kicking his head in. What does that lead? He can't continue. So it just leads me to believe this match isn't going an hour. It's going to probably go 40 minutes the most. And I think MJF wins because Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson can't continue for the remainder of the match. And as a result... MJF is still going to be your world champion and Brian Danielson's protected because he didn't take a fall in the hour mark or it didn't go to overtime. So I got MJF retaining there by uh, a KO and uh, a doctor stoppage for his own good. Do you think, do you think there can be overtime in this match? You, you say it's not going to go 60 minutes. What if it does? Do you think it's going to go overtime? I don't think so because then after the only real finish you can have here is MJF losing. And uh, then you can say the next week that he only agreed to wrestle one hour. He didn't agree to do overtime. The Ironman match was one hour and it should be that he retains because it's a draw after the hour. So I think that's the only outcome. If it's going to overtime, Brian Danielson will win the title and then uh, MJF will get the title back because of a technicality. Well, you just spoiled what's going to happen. So finally, finally, you have said something right after 32 years. How old are you? 25? Anyway, after 32 years of, of uh, getting everything wrong here. So are you excited about Revolution this year, honestly? Yes and no. Uh, could be better. Uh, I think MGF Brian Danielson, it's an interesting match. Uh, John Moxley and, uh, you know, just this whole thing, the Texas death match thing, I'm not too crazy about it. I think it could have been uh, Hangman and him going one-on-one, no DQ or something. That They didn't need the whole Texas stipulation. But for what it is, I think it's it's a fine card to start this off. And don't forget, uh, this Sunday, March 5th, 8 p.m., the buy-in starts at 7 aew revolution it should be a, a good good card uh, from the chase center in san francisco the home of the golden state warriors but as you could see another great job by the producer here because this weekend we have ufc and what is it ufc 285 are they gonna stop with these numbers but the return of john carlos idol right john jones and by the way he looks bigger than ever. He looks like he's on roids. He looks like he, he has eight, not one, not two, 14 stakes of Marty Roberts. All right. John Jones makes his return. But before we get to John Jones and, and, and the card and or the main card, let's look at the prelim boats. Uh, Giancarlo, which uh, prelim or early prelim that you want to talk about here? Let's, uh, let's go give you know, two or three prelims there. Uh, main event of the early prelims, uh, Gary, what do you say on this one? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, I think Ian Gary's going to get the win there. Uh, he's a guy they have high hopes for. Um, I think this is going to be a good showcase for him. I know it's on the early prelim, but it's on ESPN Plus, so uh, it can't hurt for him, especially on a card like this, to show out like that. And uh, I think that women's strawweight fight with uh, Jessica Penne, Tabatha Ricci, that could be a surprise. I'm surprised it's actually on the early prelim, but I think Ricci is uh, going to continue showing that she can be a top prospect there in the strawweight division. So 
I have Ian Gary and uh, Tabatha Ricci being the ones that stand out on that early prelim. And and uh, just one more match on the early prelim that we talk about. I want to talk about uh, Martinez there. What do you expect from this guy? Because uh, a lot of people are expecting a surprise. What do you say? Which fight says? Uh, Martinez there. Um, oh, yeah. Mana Martinez. Yeah, this one at Bantamweight, so... There's only one way that these two can uh, go after this. It's somewhere around the top 15. Like, if they really want to make themselves stand out in that division, it's going to come down to, like, who has a knockout or a finish. Like, that division's too deep where you can just insert yourself in the top 10. So, uh, I think Cameron Seaman, uh, I think he's going to edge him out here. I think this will be a split decision win, and uh, we'll get the upset there. Uh, you know, in about two minutes, and I'm going to say this with all honesty, all right, Giancarlo, my balls are going to be sweaty in about two minutes, all right? So I'm just warning you, all right? Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about the prelims, all right? Let's talk about the prelims. Um, Marquez, what do you think of it? Uh, a Canadian guy, uh, Mark andre Yeah, I'm just going to go with the Canadian there. Uh it's a fighter that he has a nice record, 14 and 6. I know he's coming off a loss there. He hasn't really been that great in his last three, but I think uh, he can turn it around here. And uh, I think he edges him out. I think this will be another one that might be back and forth. And uh, I think a third round TKO win uh, for the Canadian Mark Andre Burrow. All right. And uh, let's go to uh, ladies' uh, flyweight boat. Uh, what do you say here? Yeah, I think Amanda Amanda Rebus is going to get the win here. Uh, coming off a loss here, it was a split decision to Chukajan, who she is uh, was regarded as uh, the top fighter there in the division at that time. Uh, it was a return to flyweight for her. It was fight of the night, so it wasn't exactly a bad performance. So I think she turns it around here and she gets a win over Rujo. I think it's going to be a unanimous decision. All right, and you know what what match we're talking about next, Giancarlo? Hold on, let me look that. Okay, it's a little bit sweaty. Sweaty balls himself, Derek Brunson. Oh, no, I think you're thinking of Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis, but <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I know what you're going to say. So I said sweaty balls himself, Derek Lewis. Um, Derek Lewis, Derek Brunson, for you, probably don't know, they train together. So if one guy has sweaty balls, you know, the next guy has whatever, but go ahead. <laughs> this, uh, it's an interesting one. Like Brunson is a guy that was so close to a title shot. And then he lost, uh, Jared Cannon here in his last fight. That was a year ago, over a year ago. And he hasn't fought since. So I know he's been open about like how many fights he has left before retiring. And against a guy like Drickus Duplessis or DDP, uh, for short, I think this could be one where DDP gets the win and he continues his run. He's coming off the win against Darren Till where he got caught a few times with the elbows, so he's obviously going to have to brush up on that against a wrestler like Brunson, but I think he'll edge him out here. I think this might be a unanimous decision again. So are you saying the pluses will not feel the bang? Yeah, I think so. For those who don't know, we're talking about DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. Now let's go to the main event of the prelims, uh, a good boat. Cody Garbrandt makes his return against Jones. What do you see in this one? Yeah, this is a 
an interesting one. Like they're giving him a fighter that it's a winnable fight. He's fighting somebody that's lost all three of his last three. Uh, he hasn't won since uh, he has a fight against Mario Bastita or Bautista, sorry, at UFC 59. So this is one Cody Garbrandt. I think this is his last chance. Like he had a great run, and I think Eagle got in the way of some of his fights there, and it cost him because. His game plan against Dominic Cruz, he looked like the best bantamweight in the world at the time. And after he beat him, he fights CJ Dillashaw and just starts swinging for the fences when he had that first round and he got caught. And he did the same mistake in the second fight. Uh, he comes back and loses to Pedro Munoz. He gets a win over a Sal, But then ever since then, that's two straight fights. And uh, he's back at bantamweight now. Uh, his last fight was at flyweight, but... I'm going to still, I'll go with him to win the fight, but if he loses it again, then I think the UFC might just cut him. And it's unfortunate because of how great he was. He was 11 and 0 to start his career. And then in his last, I would say, six fights, he's like one and four. So this is his sixth one. And if he wins, he would be two and four. I think he needs a win. Do you think uh, Bellator takes him? I don't even know if. Maybe for the rate name recognition if he's available, but with a streak like that, I think he would have to really change up his style, and it would be tough. But I think he gets a win here and uh, saves his career. All right, so that is uh, the prelims. Let's go to the main card. Bo Nickel against uh, Jamie Pickett. Who do you call in this one? Yeah, I think this might be a dominating win. I know Bo Nickel's uh, record doesn't exactly jump off the page there, but... I think he's just going to wrestle Pickett. He's going to take him down, control him on the ground, and then after, I think he finishes him with a submission in the second round. So the first round, I think he's going to tire him out, and then the second round, he'll take advantage uh, when he has him on the ground. So I got Bo Nickel continuing his winning streak. All right, uh, Jalen Turner, uh, number 10, and a lot of people have high hopes for him, but you think he's going to lose this boat? Uh, Yeah, I think this is... uh, this was one that was supposed to be him versus Dan Hooker, and uh, Gamrock came in to replace him. So his performance here on short notice will be interesting. He's coming off a loss there to Benil Dariush. Uh, this is a step in the right direction for him to get back on track. So I think he still wins this fight. I think this will be another one that's a decision. I think Gamrock's going to take control of him on the ground and uh, get back on the winnings ways. All right. And uh, so Jeff Neal makes his return. And uh, what do you expect? This this is a fairly even fight, but uh, a lot of people are calling for his opposition to clean house, I guess. Yeah, he's undefeated, uh, 16-0. and 0. Uh, Shavkat Rachmanov, and uh, I think he's going to continue that. I think this might be another one. I know everyone thinks that it's just a hype train winning, waiting to get derailed, but... It's his rise up here, similar to Hamza Chemaev, and he's another undefeated guy. So I have Rockmanov just, unfortunately for Neil, I think he's just going to run through him and show how good he is. And Rockmanov, I think this is an opportunity after the fight. He has to call out the top five in the division, like a Colby Covington, uh, Bilal Muhammad, those guys. He has to get noticed because I think he's ready to test himself against those guys and fighting guys that are, Maybe 10th ranked or outside the top 10 isn't really doing anything for him. All right. Then the co main event women's flyweight title belt, Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I think Shevchenko just wins. Uh, I know Alexa Gross was a nice story since she went up to flyweight and just winning all these fights, finally coming into her own there. But I think Shevchenko needs to make a statement here, especially after her last fight. And I think a second-round KO is uh, likely here. All right. Now it's the main event of the evening, making his return, John Bones Jones versus Syria Gone. Uh, John Bones Jones makes his debut at heavyweight. What do you expect in this? Because when's the last time, three, four years, he has fought in the octagon? This is a heavyweight bout. This guy, Cyril Gon, is a monster, and he's big. Uh, I know who you're going to pick, but you know what if he gets caught early in the first round? I'm talking about John Jones. Yeah, it's possible. And uh, I think the UFC wants John Jones to win for obvious reasons because Cyril Gaughan lost to Francis Ngannou last year. And yeah. Ngannou, after that fight, uh, waved goodbye and went to free agency. So if Cyril Gaughan wins, I think it just makes the UFC heavyweight division not look the greatest. And they're going to have to probably like go to Francis Ngannou and give him whatever he wants to come back and do the rematch. So... I think they're really hoping that John Jones just dominates him, takes him down. I think John Jones is going to not take chances in the stand-up. I think he takes down Cyril Gaughan and controls him on the ground and gets a unanimous decision win. And then what's next for both of them? What's next for John Jones? Yeah, for Jones, he keeps talking about uh, Stipe Miocic. It's a good fight, I guess, but Miocic lost to Francis Ngannou the last time he was in the cage, and that was uh, well over two years ago now. So I think they do Jones versus Miocic and uh, Cyril Gaughan probably fights the winner of Curtis Blades versus uh, Sergei Pavlovich. All right. And as we close up UFC on guard, we were previewing UFC 285. But let's talk about our favorite subject, your favorite subject, Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler. Of course, uh, the ultimate fighter. It looks like a decision has been made. It will be at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas where they could have 70,000 fans. And it looks like at the end of August, September, leaning towards the end of August. Uh, what do you hear? Is that correct? Or do you think they're going to do it later? I would hope so. But uh, Dana White's never really been a fan of stadium shows. So even though they could and should go in that direction, they'll probably just settle for T-Mobile Arena and – uh probably do it like somewhere at the end of August when they have the finale of the ultimate fighter the day before or the week before, and they can build up that entire week for the pay-per-view. So I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up going to a team mobile arena. All right. So John Carlo, tell everybody how they could get a hold of you. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter, John underscore four one one Instagram, John Carlo underscore Alino and check out my articles on fire. John Carlo does a double shift, the soccer show, the uh, wrestling show, the On The Mat wrestling show, and UFC On Guard. What a weekend for wrestling and mixed martial arts. Stay tuned for more great programming here on the Fired Up Network. Thank you, Giancarlo. Thanks, John. <clears throat> That's myself and Giancarlo Lino on the wrestling show slash On The Mat wrestling show slash UFC On Guard. What a weekend for uh, wrestling and MMA fans. Don't forget Saturday, UFC 285, John Bones Jones getting back, and then Sunday, EW Revolution. Now you could see it. I got breaking news. The hottest free agent is going to join us in two seconds here. And hopefully, hopefully, I bring in 
Um, Marty Roberts, the grizzled young veteran, but sit down. He's just combing his hair and everything like that. I got to say this. I got to say this with all due respect and all due honesty. You know, he was on here before. I built his career up. I built his career up. Then he went to a fraudulent guy who who's a great friend of mine, I'll say this, uh, Storman Norman Rumack, all right? Storman Norman Rumack was great in 1670. He talked about the Maple Leafs against the Philadelphia Flyers, the Broad Street Bullies. That's 60 years ago. And, and by the way, God love him. I know my sister and him talk all the time. He is the reason why my sister left Canada for America. He is the reason why... My sister left Canada for America. She went so far away, running back. Now, look, if you want to sleep, if you want to go to sleep every, I don't know if it's Monday. I don't know if it's Tuesday. I don't know. Some days it's Wednesday. I don't even know what this guy does here. Half the time he's sleeping. Half the time he's talking about 67, 1670 when Borja Salming was great. He took the, the Broadstein bullies and he met Harold Ballard and gave him free tickets there and everything like that. He was he was formerly, I built him up. I, I carried him. Now I'm tired of carrying him. I let this guy carry him and he's been carrying him. Let me tell you, he's been carrying his coffee. He's been carrying him through his shirts, his plastic bags there. We're talking about the broadcasting legend, Storm Norm Rumack, uh, that may or may not return to the Fired Up Network. But I'll tell you one guy who's going to return. That's Marty Roberts. Look at Marty, the palatial estates there. But uh, Marty, I got a surprise for you. I got a surprise for you. All right, so Marty. <laughs> Oh, look at this. The Greek. Some people call him the Greek god. I don't. Marty does. Look at it. He's sitting beside him. Wait, I he's never looked so better beside Marty. Yeah, give, give him a kiss. <laughs> you want to give him a kiss? Give him a kiss. There. See? <laughs> that was the worst kid, by the way. How, how, Billy Jorgensakis, Billy the Greek here, corporate Greek, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> Now, what was how did that kiss feel, Billy? First of all, it's nice to be back. It's nice to see you guys. It's a it's a must be a real pleasure for you guys to get a chance to spend a little time with me once again. And Marty, the next time you want to pucker up, man, a little a little bit of tug for the Greek, man. make make it make it worth my while, man. Make it worth my while. Anyways, nice to be back. Let's get at it. We got a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, the first thing that we're gonna do is uh we're gonna we're gonna um, get to uh, get to the Leafs trade deadlines all that. But a couple of words first of all, Double J on Stormy Norman Mac, the legend. No matter what we say about him, the borderline Hall of Famer, unbelievable, great guy, top of the line. Maybe he'll put you to sleep a little bit. But again, the guy's almost ninety. Forgot that die. He's got one foot in the grave. You're right. I have carried him on my back, but at the same point in time, we gotta respect your elders. I'm a kind of guy that when I see a senior citizen of his caliber. I do my best, man, as, as always. Pleasure to be back. Nice to see you. What's going on? How, how does it feel to join the big leagues and then instead of a fraudulent company like uh, you do? Are you on Mondays? Are you on Tuesdays? Are you on Wednesdays? I need to know this. Let's get on with this. All right. Let's let, get on. Don't worry about what I'm doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Let's live in the moment, man. Let's wait, live wait, for wait, right wait, now, wait. Double J. We got, we got now, yeah, Marty knows, I got a big, big 
Greek fan, all right? You want to say any words in Greek? Here, I'll give you the opportunity to say something in Greek. Am I talking to a woman or a man? Because I got a lot of fans of both sexes. <laughs> well, do it for the men, do it for the ladies. Go ahead. Okay, no. I got it. I'm going to get in trouble. Don't get me. Look, my comeback, man. Finally, man, the Greek is back. You don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to turn this comeback into. In, listen, you don't want to turn this comeback, this reunion, this festification. You don't want to turn it into a three-minute affair. Don't get the Greek speaking in in his native tongue. Uh, some things might might come out in in a improper fashion. I, I gotta say this: me and Marty were born February eighth, so I want to wish you, which your birthday was February sixteenth. Norm Rumack did not do it. All right, belated. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. No, uh, Marty, anything else you want to you want to sing to the Greek first of all? You already gave him a kiss. I I like the new hair. I like the hair, the way it looks. It's right? looking good. You got a haircut for today. I'm impressed. All right. To, Corporate okay. G. Okay, let's go. Let's start off here. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow I'm gonna do 12 hours. Greek, you're invited. Marty, you're gonna come on also here 12 hours. Which trade so far? Forget about the Maple Leafs. We'll talk about that in a couple seconds. Which trade? did impress you in the NHL start off with the Greek? Were you starting off with me? Yeah, yeah. Start off with Roberts, man. I'm not paying attention to the trade deadline. I don't know nothing. I'm just going to jump on board. All right, go ahead, Marty. We forget about the least. You want to talk about Pittsburgh? They didn't do anything. Which well, trade? they went and got Grenland. That, that was a move that they made. Like a lot I said, of they did fans. nothing. Well, the fans don't like it, but he'll slide in nicely on the third line with Carter there. Hopefully, it brings Carter back to life because he's been dead. I think the one that it didn't surprise me he went to the Rangers, but surprised me as to what Chicago only got back and kept. I think it was fifty percent was Kane going to the Rangers two, you know, a second and a fourth, and then kept fifty percent. So that to me was a bit of a, a surprise. What about Chikrin? To Ottawa, are you? Chikrin, you, you knew he was going to Ottawa. Nah, you know, it honestly, when you sit back and think about it, it makes sense now because Ottawa is a young team. So now you got a bunch of guys that'll be there for you know four, five, six years all together. We'll see if they can uh, make a run to get in the playoffs this year. But you know, Chikrin again, talk was they want two first round draft picks for him. Plus, 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 they didn't get that. So. We'll see when tomorrow comes. There's some moves that are going to happen that will be like, what the heck happened? And I think the Leafs are one of them because they're either going to pull the Kucherov move, leave Murray on long-term for the rest of the season, or if they take him off, they have to find, I think it is like $1.4 or something like that in cap space. So something's going to happen with the Leafs. They're going to leave him, or you'll see goodbye to Kerfoot and Hall, and that'll find money and some more room to get other players if he wants. You know, uh, first of all, Billy Jorgensakis, Billy the Greek is back here on the Fired Up Network. And I got to ask him this. The last time he was on the Fired Up Network, he wanted William Nylander, a guy who has a little bit better hair than the Greek, fired, gone, complete, sent to, sent to uh, New Zealand or, 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 you know, where, where's the, your buddy went to, he's coaching now where? In Australia, in Australia. He wanted to go to Australia. Now, what do you say about William Nylander, Billy? As any, 
as any Lee fan, as any reasonable um, um, objective observer would 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 tell you, what Lee fans, more specifically, who cares about Lee fans? Let's talk about the Greek man first of all. It doesn't matter about other people. What I expect, what I wanted from the don't smile, Marty Roberts is serious business, man. This is my this is my reunion on the fired up network. Please don't interrupt me again. So what the Greek wanted, right, is a little bit, just a touch, just a touch of of passion. Just a touch of aggression, just a a higher level of compete. We all could see it. I never told you. I never came on here and told you, or I've, on any platform, have I ever suggested that guy's not talented? I've never said that. I've never su suggested anything except the fact that a man of his talent, as Lee fans, as sports observers, we would like an individual to show some heart, some character. And for me, the defining moment, of uh, William Nylander, for me anyways, wasn't a goal, wasn't an assist, wasn't any plays he made. There was a, a couple months back, I saw the kid, you know, with the flow of the locks, going back to the bench after something happened on the ice, and he smashed his stick against uh, I, 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 on the bench. And right then I said, you know what, it took you goddamn, it took you four years, just like Kyle Dubas, it took you four years to wake up, to feel a little bit of passion. And when we see that passion, it's exhibited in the way the guy plays. Uh, if you took a look, if you took a look around the league, he's got to be arguably, I would say, in the top three. In the top three in terms of most improved players, you can't take it away from him. And he's given us finally, finally. Uh, and again, he's not a he's not a truculent guy. He's not going to run you over. But his compete level, for me, is satisfactory. Compete level and skill. And you put that together and you see he's having the best season, arguably the MVP of the club. So, again, maybe listen to me. Maybe just had enough of the abuse that I delivered on a continual basis. I don't know. But kudos to the guy for stepping up and becoming half a man. Not, not a complete man like Marty Roberts, half a man. And until, and until you see that, obviously, as we all have, Joe, you've seen it yourself. And that's the truth. We speak the truth here on the Fired Up Network on 1,000 platforms, <laughs> man. This is not going out to, to this is not going out to four rednecks and Barry Marty Roberts. This is going out to a, a plethora, a plethora of viewers. So you know what we do when you come on here? We're going to tell the truth. Double J. Right. Marty, can you move to you so I could see that picture of Billy again? Because I got a comment to me. Move to the other side. No, the other side. The other side. Yeah. Where am I? That, that's the picture of Billy, Billy and Norm doing his show and Billy falling asleep while Norm <laughs> did this. To hey, I just, uh, Joe, I want to give a shout out to my good friend. Okay. Uh, is that my good friend, the heavy hitter, right there. I thought I'd give him a little bit of a shout out. You know, Billy brings him on his show. There he is there. Just. Just his beard, I'm showing. Can't give too much of it. Just his beard for the heavy hitter. Heavy hitter? When's he going to be on the Fired Up Network? Here, we're going to go back to what Billy was talking about with, with Willie. Has he priced himself out of Toronto now? Yes. Like he's a free agent, I think, what, after next year or the following year? Next year, next year. After next year, him and Matthews, I think, are up at the same time. Yeah. So unless the cap goes up quite a bit, what, what do they do with Willie? So I'll ask Billy hey, here. Yeah, Marty, uh, for, this is 2023. The trade deadlines are around the corner. A playoff run's coming. We don't want to hear about what Willie's going to go in two years and three years. Let's live Marty Roberts, shall we? 
for the next duration of time we're together, one day at a time. Let's focus on today and tomorrow. Let's forget about Willie down the road because, as you know, any observer will tell you, the least guy, at best, uh, 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 a year, this is half a year, a year and a half window to win, at best. And then from then, all bets are off. This franchise within, like, if we look for within four years, could be dumpster diving again and reminiscent of uh, reminiscent of the um, of the glory days. You pick your decade, wherever you want to go, when they're bottom feeders. They're not that far away, right? They're not that. Couple guys, couple guys leave, couple guys get priced out, couple guys get hurt. You might be in trouble, but as for now, as as for now, you can't tell me. You guys can't tell me that the Leafs have ever brought a more equipped playoff roster to the dance over the last my next question billy let me ask you a question here call dubas for what is it the fifth year here right oh i believe in the team i believe in the team this team i'm going to run it back i'm going well does he believe in the team when he trades 25 percent of the roster a month 20 games left in the season what does that tell you he's going down he's going down first of all i understand the sentiment but if he didn't, here's where, when he talks about believing in the team, Marty, he's not talking about Pierre Ingvall. He's not talking about fringe guys. When he says he believes in the team, he's talking about his core his core roster. You're talking about Nylander, Marner, Tavares, Matthews, Riley. None of those guys are leaving town. The nucleus of the team is the same. So does he believe in the team? Probably not. Would you believe in the team? And he's got to say that. He's got to lie a little bit. What do you want a guy to say? My 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 players six through fifteen are bums, man. They haven't hit a guy in ten years. I better bring in a guy with a little bit of trust. Is that what you want the guy to say? They don't. They don't. They don't deliver messages like that, man. We do, but they don't. And and I'm gonna get in trouble with MLSE. Marty Roberts is gonna back me up here, okay? So Carl Dubis, he has traded picks after picks after picks. He doesn't have a he's he's he doesn't have a contract next year. Now. Billy, I'm going to ask you. You want to talk about playoffs? Let's talk about playoffs. Right now, they play the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay? And I'm going to be honest. Do you, and I know what you're going to say, do you think this year they're going to beat the Lightning? You say, really, it all comes down to one question, really. And you, if I'm Kyle Dubas, this is what I'm doing. Apparently, he set up his war room, Marty Roberts, out in Vancouver. He's already in He's not even in Calgary. He's in a little room in Vancouver on his phone. Right, and on his computer, and who knows what else he's doing? Maybe, maybe a uh, maybe a Now magazine. He's making calls. I don't know. I don't want to spread rumors, <laughs> little Kyle. Man, whatever you're doing, so be it. Man, it's your personal life. But here's the number that I would have on my phone, and it wouldn't be an, it wouldn't be from the Now magazine. I'm calling Marty Roberts. You know what I'm doing? If I'm Kyle, I'm calling David Poyle every five minutes. Right. And I say, hey, David, man, you're you're up there in age. That guy's got one foot in the grave. Poyle's 80 years old, ready to retire, right, from Nashville. And I say, you know what, we're really, we could really maybe use uh, your goaltender. Maybe, I don't know, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll offer you a second round. I don't know, man. And start a conversation, get him. And if he hangs up, Marty Roberts, you know what you do? You call back again five minutes like a like a drug addict in the middle of the night looking for his dealer. You call again and again and again and again. And you know what? Sooner or later, if you get that goalkeeper wearing the blue and white for this year and next, you know what it does? The one area of weakness in the Toronto Maple Leafs becomes a strength. 
And the question I ask you, Marty, is can a Leaf team win 16? Would, if you were GM, would you trust a Leaf team to win 16 games with Samsonov and, and the other guy? No. No, they, they can't win with that, that goaltender that they have with Murray and Samsonov. They can't. You're right. They, they, they have to clear it up. I don't know if Nash will be willing to, but you're right. You have to make the call. If you're a good GM, you're making these calls. And if, if it doesn't work out, all that other GM does is is do what I did to you is block your phone number, and then you can never call me. Hold on, hold on. He makes a good point because I got sources with good hair who told me he's talking. they're talking to Nashville. And listen, Lilligren, Robertson, Murray, a first and a third, a source, a garbage source, a garbage source, but a source, maybe called Justin Levine, told me this. All right, Marty Roberts, do you believe in that potential trade with Nashville? Nope. No. Okay. Nope. Do you Very believe? Okay, here's the question. I, I don't think here's Nashville the question. Hold on, no. Joe. Here's the question. Before you even talk about it, you ask yourself, because historically, if you take a look at Colorado and as, as the most recent Stanley Cup champions, they won with Frank Cruz and, and, and Grubauer. Not, the, not exactly a will ever be, like, enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Well, right? We can agree on that. Chicago, historically, with a similar club offensive makeup, one with, uh, with what's his name, man? The guy forget anyway. Corey Crawford. What's his name, Marty Roberts? The ex Corey, Crawford. Corey Crawford. So, are the Leafs similar to those clubs where they can win with a guy like that? To me, the answer is no. To me, the Leafs to compete, especially against Tampa with Vasilevsky, you need a 10-bell guy between the pipes because as I see this Maple Leaf club, they give that defense is not a lockdown defense where your goalie you can hide them and just expect them to make a couple. For the Leafs to win, you need some you need some dude to stand on his head. And I don't know. Again, do you want to risk your career because you're gonna get fired, dude? But if you don't win, do you want to risk everything you got this all in with these two goalies? Do you want to do that or are you forced to do that? I don't know. I can't tell you. All right. Well, at least the, the good thing know. here is that with with a couple of the moves that. Dubas has made already on the defensive side. Those are guys that'll clear out in front of the net for those two goalies. Hopefully, they can stop the routine shots, and that helps them. The problem is being that with the Leafs' defenses, and you see with Hall day in and day out, is he screens the goalie more than anyone does. So at least with McCabe and Shen there, they'll clear out in front. That'll give a, a clear line for the goalie to see, and hopefully that helps out. I'm not saying it's going to be the Sable, but hopefully that's what Dubas is looking at. If I can't get a goalie, let's at least make sure that in front of the net is cleared out of the way. And now they got four guys back that can do it, right? Brody, Giordano, McCabe, and Shen. Here's the interesting thing, Marty. That's fine. It's funny how, it's funny how if you look back, revisionist history, if you look back, Shen was run out of town yeah, 10 great. years ago. He yeah. was a bum, a disgrace. Every yeah. Leaf fan and their mother and their cousin wanted him gone, a la Justin Hall. The guy goes away, is the sixth defenseman on two Stanley Cup winners, and all of a sudden he's the second coming, man. We yeah. won. Imagine this. Yeah, Sportsnet, man, a, a really a bottom-of-the-barrel sporting organization. I don't care how big they are, TV, man. They're terrible. Everybody on there is terrible bunch of stiffs and you know what they write man listen to this you lose your mind I, I couldn't believe it they say the leafs won the luke shed sweepstakes god damn it come on man all right uh, we'll be talking 12 hours of hockey but i 
it, the negotiations were fierce to get this free agent, Billy the Greek, and Marty Roberts said he's only going to come on if we talk a little baseball, if we talk a little baseball, all right? So we got another five, ten minutes. We're going to talk baseball, and then we'll talk 12 in hours. Joe, in Joe hour. time? That's we got 20 minutes. No, no, listen to me. Listen to me. We have Marty Roberts. I don't know if you know this. Billy, sit back. I don't know if he knows this. That's a nice beard, though, that the heavy hitter has, eh? Okay, relax, relax. Take his his beard off. It reminds me of Bray Wyatt wrestling. All right, look. Here it is. Here it is. Marty Roberts, I don't know if you know. We have the manager of the year for the East York Bulldogs. Since he lost his pitching coach, he's never lost a game. Right, Billy? He's never lost a game since he lost his pitching coach. You say, say what you want to joke around with the guy, but within the East York family and organization, Marty Roberts is greatly missed. What he brings to the table, like if you watch this guy, honestly, and I got a front row seat to watch some of his exploits and the way he conducts himself, you will never see a guy that looks more like a baseball man than Marty. When he puts on his hat and his uniform, the way he chooses seeds, the way he walks, he's the personification of what a baseball, he doesn't do nothing, mind you. Like, he doesn't teach the kid. He doesn't coach. He doesn't say nothing. He'll swear at an umpire here and there. But he just looks good, man. And you know what, Joe? As you know with that hair, looking good is half the battle, man. That's it. All right. As you know, uh, we'll start off with uh, the Rogers Center and other pictures of uh, the renovation at the Rogers Center. And Marty Roberts tried to get some pictures. He Now he went to Dunedin and sitting beside does it look like Fergie Oliver there or what? You're sitting beside Fergie Oliver and all that, Tony Kubik and all that. So first of all, Marty, you, what do you think of the renovations at the Rogers Center and how will that assist the Blue Jays because they play 81 games there? Well, no one will know how it's going to assist them just yet because of the way the dimension of the, the field's going to go, the fencing and that. So we'll see. I know Shapiro's saying it's not, it's not going to play any differently. I beg to differ. I think it will. When you have parts of the fence going in and out, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult. It'll help later in the season with the Blue Jay outfielders. Once they become used to this and visitors are coming in, they have no clue on the fencing and how to take roots to it. That's when this will benefit the Blue Jays once they become accustomed to the new the new fencing. And I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see the, the final product. I just want to get some seats right behind the bullpen so I can sit there and, and watch. All right, Billy, I'm going to ask you this. Give me your you know memories and thoughts. Of the home run jacket. Or to, it's they, a, the home run for jacket me, here, Here's the deal for me. Sometimes the only reason, you know, like sometimes the Jays uh, periodically lay an egg and are trailing about 7 nothing or 7-1 in the eighth inning. And I stick around just to watch the eighth inning in case a guy hits a dinger. So I can see them pull out the home run jacket down eight runs so I can spit on the TV, man. <laughs> How's that? that? You know, honestly, I don't mind. Like, I told you before, I didn't mind the home run jacket. I just didn't like it like Billy was just saying, like, 9 nothing. They're still pulling this jacket out. Hopefully they come up with something a little different. You know, you still have to have fun playing this game, but you have to be serious. And there's that fine line between getting silly and and taking uh, having some fun and being serious. So I think with the guys that they brought in, they've corrected that. We'll see once the season starts how they do. Like Billy and me have talked many times about this. And what did the bullpen need? They need some guys that could throw high velocity in that bullpen. And today they had four guys that came in and one touched one on one, 
Two of them were 98, and the other one was 97. So they had four guys today throwing 97 plus. That's hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Were any of the guys on the? Were any of the guys or any of the guys coming north? Yeah, Romano. Yeah, is one of them. He was 97. Pop was 96. Okay, yeah. hold on. Yeah. And Pop can throw 106, man, and he can't get a swing and miss late in the game, right? We know it's that. Amazing. So yeah, Pop it's it's amazing. You're right, because if he can, you know, he's got such a good sinker. For some reason, he just can't strike guys up with it. I don't know why. Let's yeah. talk about Pearson. So when you're talking Pop doesn't miss bats, Romano does. And again, the issue, let's go back, Joe, for a second. And here's an interesting piece. I don't know if they had this intended this, but with all the configurations of the ballpark, it sure is refreshing to have guys like Varsho and Kiermaier playing those caroms and those and those nooks and crannies than it would be for imagine Lourdes and <laughs> and Teoscar out there, man. It would yeah. be a it would be an S show. Uh, S show, not bad. All right, so <laughs> Marty, you, you're the one who's talking about for two years about Pearson. He came oh, longer than two years, Joe. I mean, yeah, I've right, been on Pearson's years, but it, it's been two years here. All yeah. right, so like, look, he came in. Was it yesterday or the day before? Throwing a hundred and one miles an hour, and and you always say, okay, they need Pearson, they need Pearson, they need Pearson, and all that. Do you think this year he comes north? And for the first month of the season, he does not get injured. He does not have a broken pinky, a, a sore thumb, or whatever. Yeah, that, that's the big thing, right? Like, he came in two days ago, threw 101, struck out Donaldson, came in again today, touched 101 again, looked really good. With him, it's not going to be, you know, it, can he stay in the MLB because of his talent? It's going to be, can he stay healthy? And the secondary pitches, his curveball and slider look really good today. If he can continue with that... Pearson's just perfect for that bullpen. And I think, to me, it's Richards who's the odd man out. You know, him and his 91, 92 miles an hour fastball can can get sent down to AAA. And you let Pearson take that. And Pearson has options, so they can play with him all year. He could come up. If he throws two innings, they can send him down, bring someone else up. And then you just play that game with Pearson. If he stays healthy, I think he's a big part of this bullpen in the middle of uh, the season. See, Marty, Pearson, you know what? It's a lot like, um, in a different kind of way, a lot like um, Murray from the Leafs. Like, he goes down with, like, some mysterious, like, Murray. Think of, he sprained his ankle, and he's down for eight months. You never hear of him. He comes back, and then all of a sudden, it's like, you don't know what the hell to believe. Uh, nope. Pearson gets mono. Okay, you get mono in, in, I don't know, in April, man. I know Mono could be a little bit, you know, a little challenging to overcome. But Mono shouldn't knock you out for eight months, man. The guy does this, and he's gone right. for the year. He's throwing somewhere. He's bullpenning this. And the guy's never put on a Blue Jay uniform, man. If if not now, when? How long are you going to wait on a guy with that kind of talent? Obviously, they value him. They haven't traded him, right? And they've made a, a plethora of moves. So when? How long? How long's the leash, Marty? How long would you hold on to the guy before you want to see some results? It's this year. Right? If if he if he doesn't make the team this year, it's it's he's done. There, there's no question about. It. I think that something that happened in the organization that the Jays did not like, and therefore they wanted to teach him a lesson. Yes, okay, you're fine with mono. It's cleared up. We're leaving you down there. And if you look at what Walker's saying, what Schneider's saying this year, it's totally opposite to what they were saying last year. They really sound like they want to have this guy up this year, whereas last year it was he has to earn his spot on the team. This year it sounds a little different to talk. So maybe Pearson went and listened to them and did what Walker's been telling him to do. And mm -hmm. we'll see. 
Like, he looked really good today. You know, Manoa, he was down a few ticks in his velo, but everyone's getting worked up. It's the first game for him. A lot of guys take, you know, that's why they have. This isn't for the hitters spring training. It's for the pitchers to get stretched out and get their arm strength up to par. So I'm not worried about them, but, you know, I like I like I what's talk, going on. I want to talk about Billy's favorite pitcher, Kakuchi. Looks amazing for the first two ah. games there. Yeah, you know what, Kakuchi? Look. Kikuchi's the fucking Hey, hey, is your name Billy? Let the East Shark manager get a word in here. He said it's Billy's guy. He asked me, but he said it's Billy's guy. Yeah, that's what I said. But anyways, <laughs> uh, get a word, Edgewise. A word. Right. Holy cow. Excuse me. Hold on. Please. Hold on. Let me, let me get a guy. word in here. Let let's, me get a word bring, in here. Hold, Smarty. One second. I'll set you up, man. Don't worry. I'll set you up. All right. If we take All away. Right, let's go. Hold on. If we take I away the name from. I you pulled the chair out. <laughs> listen, listen, pay attention. Let the skipper talk. All right, go ahead. If we if we if we scrap the name Kikuchi from the back of the jersey and last year, right? And just looked at the raw stuff and say his name instead of Kikuchi was Smith. Right? Uh what's that kid's name? Eric Smith say his name was, right? <laughs> Would we look at a guy that's throwing upper nineties, upper nineties with good stuff? We look at him differently. A lot of the bias comes with it. It was struggles last year, right? But if you just look at the pure stuff, it plays, especially in a, especially as a number five guy. And it's on Pete to be able to get him psychologically in a spot where he can succeed. It's not Kikuchi, man. Kikuchi's got the confidence of a sunflower seed, man. That's where you need a coach to kind of reinforce and to kind of raise your game. You saw the guy last year. He had absolutely no confidence. Couldn't throw strikes. Was all over the place. That's on the pitching coach, not on the guy. All right, by the way, before, yeah, he has, he has uh, before Marty, he, hold on, he Marty, does. Marty, one second. Mitch Marner has just scored for the Maple Leafs. The game is tied with Calgary 1-1. Sorry, Marty, go ahead. Well, Kikuchi does have the stuff. Billy's right. The problem with Kikuchi is his confidence, yes, but his, his ability to continuously throw strikes. And that's where the problem comes with Kikuchi. He's never been a guy that could throw strikes on a consistent basis. He's always been a guy in the four, mid-fours ERA. If Kikuchi, and that's still good enough to be a five-starter, don't get me wrong. If he can go in, yeah. throw, you know, get, get six to eight wins for the year and give them a solid five innings every time out, I would prefer Kikuchi in there over Mitch White. There's no question about that. But if Kikuchi could go in there and and confidence is, you know, 90% of the battle. And if he could get that yeah. confidence back, because we saw it last year when he got taken out of the rotation. What did he say? Instead of saying, screw you, Jays, I want to stay. Well, if you want, you can send me down and I'll go down there. To me, that's not a guy that wanted to be there. So hopefully this year yeah. it's different. Kikuchi says, I want to be here. And he knows he can be there. And he knows that he's the five starter. If he is, this is a solid five rotation. Absolutely. This season is Barrios. Barrios needs he they they got him to be a number one starter, and now he's going to be a four starter. That's big. If we get something from Barrios, like Barrios of old, maybe 10, 12, 15 wins, this team is headed in the right direction. Billy, go ahead. Barrios for me, if you look at just the eye test, and again, just the eye test is such a fascinating guy to watch. A sharp slider, a moving fastball in the 90s, high 90s at times, 95 to 97. Um, wicked breaking stuff. But for some reason, for some reason, people are on him. I don't know. They see the ball good. 
He's he's doing something. So for me, if I'm again P Walker, if I got the stuff, I tinker with the guy's delivery. I try to make him hide the ball because obviously they're getting too good of a swings off a guy with that good of a stuff. By the way, before we jump in there, for those of you watching, follow the Greek, and I'm going to tell you why. Even though Calgary just scored the last six games, I predicted uh I predicted Leafs hockey. I'm six for six. We're riding a tie tonight at two. So. Just, just in case you're curious, you want to make a little free money, I'm not going to charge it. Anyways, Marty, don't you agree that that his stuff is better than the is better than the results? Well, 100%. Brews, for some reason, if you notice, Brews would have really good games and then go and give up eight runs in two innings after yeah. that. Like it was, and again, like we spoke about Kikuchi, I think with with Brews as well, it was between the ears thing as well. For some reason, when when something goes away, he got in the dumper. Hopefully, that changed. If it was me, I wouldn't allow him to go pitch in the WBC. I would say you're staying here at camp, and we're working on stuff really? with you. There's no need for you to go to the WBC. Yeah, don't 100%. you think it could be? A... I don't need him going Hold to the on. WBC. Don't you think? Don't go you ahead. think if you're talking about if you're talking about confidence, if you're talking about psychology, don't you think it would be like depending on how he performs? Don't you think it might be a benefit coming? You come into the season game ready and confident if it works out for him. Isn't there a pro side to that? There, there, there's a pro side, but I don't think after coming off of a year like Barrios had, uh-huh. he needs to be in camp and let Walker work with him, not go to the WBC and with no one working. So if he's, if he's crap in the bed there, no one's going to help him. No one's going to try and fix him. So what happens if he goes to the WBC and gets beat up? Then what's sure. it going to be like coming back to spring training? I think Barrios should have been here at spring camp all throughout the whole spring training and go into the season fresh. Let Walker work with them from now till April 1st and see what happens. And unfortunately, he's not. He's going there. You know, Kirk, back in town, we got to say congrats to Kirk and Mama Kirk for having a little Kirk. I don't know how little that little Kirk is, but I'm going to say, you know, congrats to them. And 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 Kirk's back in town. He's not going to play for Mexico. So we'll see what happens. It's uh, no Hey, boy. does your dog like grapes? Calgary's Marty? No Calgary <laughs> no, no goal. One one still. One one. The instant replay he was offside. One one. No goal. Right. Awesome. So, Hold so on, Joe. Was... One second. I'm gonna ask Marty. Marty, does your dog like grapes? No, he doesn't. She doesn't like grapes. No. All right. Enough okay. Stop being sour here. All right. We talked about hockey. We talked about baseball. Here, before we, we switch, Joe, before we switch to NBA, I want to say something that Billy and me, when we had the sports rap, yes, back in the day. We had a kid come on. His name was Tyler Black. And Tyler Black has been up spring training with the Milwaukee Brewers. He's played two of the last three games, two for four, with two RBIs and two doubles, and a spectacular play at third base last night for, for the Milwaukee Brewers. So I just want to give a shout-out to Tyler Black. He's been Marty, doing some pretty good stuff at spring training. Last week, the skier. Charlie Beatty. Charlie yeah. Beatty, skier. Uh, you know, he's, he's he's got New Zealand is his junior championships. He's in the Open. I don't know. He's, he's somewhere in the next couple weeks. I can't remember where it is, but we had Charlie on last week. It was great. Uh, if you haven't seen Charlie Beatty, follow his Instagram, all his reels of, you know, doing his big jumps and, and all that stuff off of ramps and, and rails. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy. Before uh, before Billy chimes in once again, I got to ask Marty a question. As you know, Billy is Greek. Anthony K from ESPN, who we had here for MGA Gem Ball, is also Greek. What about if I get the Greek and the Greek, and it's called the Greek Speaks 
I got a logo for that, all right? What about that, Marty? Do you think that will work? And they speak Greek. All sports in they, Greek. Well, you're going to have to have the, the closed caption down at the bottom to explain no, everything no, that's no, being said. Captioning. We don't pay for that. Maybe Norm Rumat can pay for that. We, we need no, no, you know what the problem is? You have, you have the Greek and the Greek. There's going to be no stop talking. That's what I want. I could relax as I, if I'm producing the show here. <laughs> Come on, Billy. What do you What do you say about that, guys? On ESPN, would you want to do a show with? Look, you? look, look. You throw letters. You throw this, that, the other. ESPN doesn't really matter. I don't, for me, the eye test. Whether you're on there's a there's a thousand guys on ESPN. Like for example, a little bit off topic. Like sometimes I wonder. Like I'm a little puzzled, perplexed even. Like, I'm watching Hockey Night in Canada, right, on uh, Sportsnet. And in between periods, right, they have a little gambling segment with God dang Cabral Richards. So I think to myself, God damn. I go, this guy over here, this legend, this beautiful man that's put together, this Adonis, is sitting on his couch, and Cabral goddamn Richards is talking about giving hockey picks and advice. When I was watching sports and I was in the newspaper, man, doing homework, this guy was eating a, a dozen Twinkies in the lunchroom. And now, Cabro, like sometimes you, so sports like that, big deal. But as for this Greek kid, doesn't matter if he's on ESPN. I watch a little bit of him, and he's a sharp cat. He's a sharp cat. He's well-spoken. His thought process is almost on par with mine, man. So I love to, I love a battle of and see if we can see if we can go at it and then kind of get together on a, on a little uh, on a duel either language so but I'll ask, no I'll macedonian ask. and that's why i refuse all right all right so i'll ask you the same question i asked him and this guy captain canada drew ebags of onpointbasketball.com all right give me right now with 20 games left and the raptors losing to washington by the way tonight all right give me right now your NBA final in the West and in the East. Who comes out of the East and who comes out of the West? Go ahead, Billy. Oh, man, that's a that's a that's a tough question. You can pick um in the in the West, you can pick any of eleven teams, really, when you think about it. Right? So obviously with Durant, that stiff that's just going everywhere, title chasing again in Phoenix. I heard you guys talking about him earlier. One of the greatest players, obviously, to play the game, but when you're talking about integrity, you're talking about thing, you know what he is, man. He's a 10-cent guy when it comes to all the He's intangible shirt to play He's the game. A guy who has to carry him for 30 years. I carried him, and now you are. He's a Norm Rumack, borderline Hall of Famer. If he was a Hall of Famer, he wouldn't be borderline. That's all I'm saying. Now, anyways, uh, Norm's a Side, you know what? If you take a look at Kevin Durant's career from his jettison from OKC to Golden State, obviously, and then getting you getting to the Nats, wanting traded, like to me, you know what, dude, man. And again, it's it's a microcosm of the entire NBA. I was watching the other night, um, a guy, uh, what's his name, the guy on the Ottawa, Watson. He almost got his eye taken out by a skate. If you saw the interviews after the game, he had a big gap in his tooth. His eye was gashed like this, and you know what he was doing. He was smiling and laughing, and if they played a hockey game an hour later, he'd be right in there for 20 minutes. And then I got these stiffs, right? Give me a rest day. Give me a this day. Give me a this. Give me. You know what, man? Basketball for me has lost its luster. I don't like the characters. I don't like the game. Having said that, shout out to Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's the only guy 
He's the only guy that stands up, has played every game, and he says out loud, it's my job to play every game. Fans pay for me. Shout out to Anthony Edwards, but you know what? In the NBA nowadays, kid, you're a dime a dozen. More guys should take after you. And again, as, as the only... um. The only reason my eyes are ever on the game is if I got a couple twenties. Otherwise, otherwise, hold there's on, absolutely hold on, hold no interest. Hold on. Since when does this guy have a couple twenties and doesn't give it to me and Marty? Wait, wait, hold on. You got a couple twenties? You know, believe it or not, I still no no matter how low the Greek sinks, I'll, I'll always sneak a couple twenties, man, here and there to put in a little action. I'm sick. What can I do? But the point of the matter is, the point of the matter is, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys. They, we don't, as older guys, we don't want to go back and say, oh, I remember a glorious time or this. We don't want to be dinosaurs, man. Obviously, I'm not. We don't want to be dinosaurs. But the truth of the matter is the way the NBA games play today is, is akin to watching a jump shooting contest from three, step back three, step back three, all games in the 140s, no defense, no intensity, no nothing. And then throughout the game, I got opposition guys dapping and high-fiving and hugging each other. Terrible characters, terrible league. And you know what? At the end of the day, I might just turn it off completely. I might just, I might, I might just. I, 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 don't ask me any I, I, NBA questions no, again. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you right now, and I've told Joe this: I have not watched a single NBA game at all this season. I, I, I have not. Why? This just because it's just it, there's no flow to it, and just like you said, guys coming in and out. I want to play today. I don't want to play. I don't want to play for this team. I want to play for that team. Love the All Star game. He's the only guy in the world who loved the All Star game. But Billy, I gotta ask you this. I, I, I honestly got asked because this broke today. Ja Morant, which is a superstar, now he comes out, he punks out a kid, he beats up a kid, 17 years old, and apparently he pulled out a gun on him or whatever. That's Ja Morant from Memphis. Your thoughts on this one? Well, first of all, number one, Morant's not an old man, so 17 and 23. I've seen some 17-year-olds that are monsters. But as for Oh, no, Gats and this, that, the other. You know what, man? At, at, at some point in time, you're in the NBA, man. You're not in the hood, pal. You're not a, you're not a hood rat, man. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play in a professional league. So if you're pulling out, if you're pulling out Gats and, and doing this, this, that, the other, then there should be some repercussions for you. But again, the guy's talent far away is anything he'll do. If, if John Moran was like a sixth, seventh, or a, a guy, he'd be out of the NBA for that kind of stuff. But when you got that level of talent, you know what they'll chalk it up to? A learning lesson, move on. And I'll already tell you what he'll say. He'll say, his public statement's already been made. Sorry for the organization. I've become a better minister. You know what? You know the script before it's written, man. <laughs> All right, yeah. so hold on, Marty. One, uh, this lady's a Greek uh, named Patricia. She wants to ask, Marty knows her very well also. Uh, she wants to ask Billy, okay, her thoughts on Sami Zayn not winning the WWE Universal title against Roman Reigns. Because Marty loves wrestling. I'm passing it along to you, Billy. Uh, last week at Elimination Chamber in Montreal, Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns, and exclusively here, you won't hear it anywhere else. They're coming to the Rico Coliseum, Coca-Cola Coliseum Saturday. Rematch. Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE title. Who you got, Billy? Well, Abe, just think of it from a monetary perspective because you know what? Sami Zayn, Zayn, he can't, he can't carry uh, the WWE on his back. As were Roman Reigns, at least you know the name. At least he's got some cachet. So Zayn's always going to be a... He's always going to be a guy 
maybe they'll throw in the IC title or the United States. Do they still have that? Or maybe, yeah. you know what, given the way we live and, and, and some of the interesting stuff, maybe you can compete for the women's title. All right. So, uh, and since uh, Patricia's Greek, do you want to say anything, words in Greek? All right. Don't, don't, what, do you want to translate for Marty? He's shaking his head. Nah, man. Let Patricia translate. All right. So, uh, I'll, I'll go to you as we close it. I told you it's only going to be 15 minutes, 45 minutes later. All right. So, uh, Marty, <laughs> any, any, any last comments here before I do a 12-hour show? Nobody. Nobody. Not TSN, not ESPN, not Sportsnet, not even Cabell Richards does a 12-hour independent company show. But here on the Fired Up Network, both you guys. Uh, Billy, what are you doing tomorrow? Are you going to join us on the Fired Up Network? Unfortunately, my friend, I might pop on for five minutes. Unfortunately, my friend, although people would be hard pressed to believe, man, and believe that a guy of my caliber, intellect, looks, charm, charisma, personality, sophistication, right, even works. Are you going to come on? Works up, works. I'm not gonna, not a decent little job. So I got a decent little job. I help out the world. I help out people put a few bucks in my pocket, but I'll sneak out for five minutes. Here's what my closing thought is. We never got to this, right? But here's what I want to bring to the table, and then we'll take her, we'll take it down the home thread. The Boston Bruins, right? The Boston Bruins. If we look back, and I don't know how you guys saw this season prior to prior to its uh, prior to it occurring, but Boston. For a lot of pundits, myself included, was a team that was on the cusp of missing the playoffs. You had the uncertainty with Bergeron. You had that mess with Neely signing that kid. You had all kinds of uncertainty. And all of a sudden, this team's greater than, than sliced bread and the Canadians, the Oilers. The, it's the biggest shock to me in probably one of the top three biggest shocks in the history of my life in pro sports in terms of surprises. But here's how it's going to end for Boston. Pay attention, man. I know I'm talking about. When you play at a high level, Bruins fans, and by the way, Monday on the show, I have the number one fan, Jason Porwando, former guy from uh, from Woodbine. He's a top Bruins. I'm going to tell him to his face, get ready to cry. And you know why? You cannot play this level of hockey all year without slumps, without this, and then get to the playoffs and play even better. It's impossible. So every other team, when they get to the playoffs, Marty Roberts is going to raise the level of their game a little bit, whereas Boston does not have another gear. So I'm telling here, you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Can the other – started today, Marty. Can the other team – If the playoffs started today, Marty, if the playoffs started today, your Penguins play the Bruins in the first round. You're telling me Pittsburgh no, they, doesn't have they a, play, a fighter they play, chance? They play the other – they play the other one. One versus eight. Going into tonight's game, do the Penguins knock out a fighter's chance? Mm, if they play Boston, I don't like their chance against Boston. I really don't. I, I think you, as much as you say Boston has played at that level all year and other teams are going to bring their level up, are they going to be able to still bring it up to Boston's level? I don't know if they can. They've made a couple moves. They went and got Bertuzzi now to add into this mix. They have a guy that they picked up on the D that all of a sudden looks like he's Paul Coffey back there. And they got two pretty Horrible. solid goaltenders. They have Sweeney and they have Allmark. 
So How many playoff team. series has Sweeney and Allmark won? Well, we'll see if they can. Allmark played with Buffalo, so obviously he didn't get a chance to get her. But we'll see. I prefer their situation in net as opposed to the least situation in net. All right. Joe? Well, I, I agree because we saw it a couple years ago. Tampa Bay had an amazing year, almost like Boston, and losing four straight to who? To Columbus. All right? To Columbus. It was three years ago, I think. So, like, look, that can happen. And if it happens and Maple Leafs get out of the first round, uh, Billy's starting to smile and he owes me some shekels, put it that way. All right, Marty. Yeah. Uh, Marty, hold on, Joe. Here's the interesting piece, man. I'm excited, man. It's nice to see you. Here's the interesting piece from the East playoffs, Marty. That it starts today. Toronto plays Tampa. New York plays New Jersey. So you got four of the top six clubs in the NHL, and two of them are going to be going home, right after seven games. Problem? You know, and we talked about this a little bit, Billy. Is that? Is the East going to beat each other up and the West? You know, yes, the West is all right, but not what the East has done so far. Like, the, whoever wins out of the East could just be so beat up when it comes Stanley Cup time that the other, the Western division might walk this over. Well, uh, I'll ask Billy. I'll ask Billy as, as we close it out here, okay? All the trades that he has done are the Maple Leafs. Because playoffs are different. You got to be tougher. You got to check. Marty, Marty, last year we were on here and you're another game that they got out hit. Another game, you know, you don't win games in the playoffs 5 4, 6 5. You win 2 1, 3 2 overtime games. Are the Leafs right now, can, I still think he's going to make a move. But right now, as they play, are they built for the playoffs, checking wise, defense, offense, everything? That Kyle Dubas is like your is like your alcoholic uncle that you're that you know he just will not listen to you year after year. You say, listen, man, you gotta bring in a little toughness. You gotta put down the bottle. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one year goes by, he doubles, triples, quadruples down, and finally, like for him, you know what he sees rock bottom, man. You lose this year, you're gone. So the question. Why'd it take you five goddamn years when people like myself were telling you five years ago what winning hockey's like? You wasted uh, 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 Matthews, Marner. You wasted years of their life by trying to believe you can win a certain way. And now push comes to shove. You finally come off your position and brought in guys like Shen, like McCabe, like Achari, like guys that, that play kind of a, 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 a tougher game. Why now, man? Because you're going to lose your job. Even if it's successful to me, you know what? This should have happened four years ago, man. Maybe if it did happen, if he showed the same aggression and the same mentality four years ago, you're telling me a Leaf team with a few additions wouldn't have beat Montreal. Come on, man. Are you serious? You're telling me they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have put away they wouldn't have put away other clubs they played with a little. You're trying to win playoff series with Pierre goddamn Engvall, man. Like, come on, man. It's about time he comes off his stats. That's enough for me. I got nothing else. I'm a oh, little sweaty on. up here. Where's Patricia? You still watching, honey? Hey? How you doing, love? Hey, you got a good guy over there, Double J. Patricia, if you, if me and Double J connect like we used to be, man, I'm even show up at the wedding with about $80 in the envelope. 
eighty dollars. I'm expecting was another zero on it. Come on, Norm Rubak <laughs> doesn't pay you that much. Come on. All right. So, like, look, put it this way: the Maple Leafs, and I asked Marty off here. We talked about this maybe yesterday. Okay, he has mortgaged the future like crazy. So let's say they win one round. Is it enough? They win two rounds. Is it enough? Because he has got rid of a first-round pick this year, a first-round pick next year, a first-round pick 25, 26. We're not going to be good till 2028 when Belly... Hold on, Joe. Hold on, Joe. Joe, sorry to interrupt you in in, in such an egregious fashion. But you're talking about first-round picks, right? You're talking about first-round picks and a... um, and a prostitution of the future in terms of draft capital when the Leaf picks with Matthews and Marner and Nylander, the Leaf picks are going to be 20 to 30. Let me bring hold out on, a, on, a little on. statistic me, that I know me, Marty likes. I'm going to say hold 10%, less than 10% of picks. Who? If we lose in a year's time, because everybody's talking, a year and a half time, Matthews may be walking. Here's the deal. The draft capital and the picks that you talk about, the Leafs with the with the nucleus of players, they're going to keep some, who knows this and that. The Leafs will not see the lottery for the duration of the draft picks. And the one pick that they gave, a first-rounder's lottery protected. So you're talking about the future. One in ten guys drafted outside the top 20 has a four-year career in the NHL, and you're talking about a franchise that hasn't won since Norm Rumax high school prom. That's what you're talking about, and now you care about draft picks? You care about a draft pick in the 30s, man? stop talking about that for 20 years to me. We, we were at the 559. Oh, I, I regret going alone to the prom. I, I, I go if, you went, if you went with somebody to the prom, what would you talk about? Oh, back in the day, 1977, I went to the Philadelphia Flyers game, and I met Harold Ballard there. That's what he would have talked when he went with somebody to the prom. All right? That's it. Let me tell you off there. So the question again, so the question, the question is, all right, mortgaging future. So to be fair to the guy, you haven't given up any of your prospects, right? You haven't traded off your roster, any of the young guys. What did you give up? What what prospects do they have? They have one guy. They have have one guy that they don't want to trade. Everyone else is all that. That's the issue. The Leafs don't, if like Joe's saying that, let's go next year. And Marner said, or Matthew says, no, nah, yeah, I'm moving on. Willie says, you know what? I'm moving on. Tavares is a year older. Now what are you going to do? You don't have anyone that's coming up through the pipeline. Hold on, man. Hold players. on. You think you think Matthews, before the time comes, he's leaving, he's going to leave for free? You think Willie's going to leave for free? Okay, so next year, here. They're, they're free just at the end of next year. With them on their team... They're in the same spot they are this year. Do you honestly think the Maple Leafs are trading those two away? They're not trading. They're not. They're not. No. But you can bet your bottom. You can bet your bottom dollar that conversations towards re-signing will happen. And 100%. you know what? The consensus is consensus is like again. Whether you lose players or you bring players in. You lose those guys, you have enough salary cap room to bring Connor McDavid here. Would you feel better? The Leafs. 
in this market will always have enough capital, enough money, enough resources to fuel the competitive roster moving forward. Who cares about the draft picks? The time is now, Marty Roberts. Please, right, right, if you're going right, to ask right. me to come the on here again. The, time, the time's been for the last five years. If you're going to ask me to come happened. on here again, please smarten up. Smarten yes, up, Marty, if you're going to ask are me those, to come on those, here again. Wait a second. Are those seedless or seeds in them? Seedless, obviously. Seriously, I haven't seen this guy in two years. He, it looks like he got a new palatial estate there. Uh, at least, you know, you're not going to do a tour like Norm Rumack where he told me his toilet paper from 1922 or whatever, right? So, like, how can I? There's 80 square feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Norm Rumack has 280 square feet. Big deal. And it's Tim Horton or Starbucks all the time. Come on. All right, Marty. Last comment here as we close out Fired Up Live. Are you excited? Are you happy to be with your tag team partner, Billy the Greek? Yes uh, or no? It's been, it's been a long time. Maybe maybe Billy can uh, and I can start up that Friday day show we used to have where mm -hmm. millions of people watched. Not just uh, millions. We had some big guests come on there. So maybe yeah, you never know, Billy and me. the Scottish Network, people were watching. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Maybe you never know. We had some guys that come on here. You know, Rob Ducey, we had come on. Yeah, you know, Rob Greg Ducey. Walters. Yeah, we, we've had some guys come on and there. Try, and you said you're going to visit Greg Walters with an OHL game. I got you an OHL season pass. Have you got to a game? I just haven't brought myself to go to a game yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a whole season pass for any game, he and it's and it's free. It's free food, and I have not gone yet. Well, see, this is the difference between Marty Roberts and Norm Rumack. If it's free, it's Norm. Put it that way. Joe, right. Joe, you're in that same little envelope I, I, as I'm well. I'm in the same category, <laughs> but I don't move from this chair. All right? So, like, look. Okay, Billy, you're back. You're, you're a free agent acquisition. Are you excited to be back on the Fired Up mm -hmm. Network? Look. We'll negotiate my payment for producing every show that you do with that that ham and egg, that was, that everything, <laughs> that jabroni beating, pie eating, whatever, Norm Rumat. Go ahead. Obviously, as you guys have obviously as as you guys have seen and the people watching from the last uh, from the last hour. So obviously you've seen that I've matured a, a lot, low key. Uh, a sense of uh, obviously a sense of humility. Humility and and what have you. So moving forward, I just like to keep the uh, the, the uh, corporate image. And again, just uh, just bringing the highest level of integrity and quality in terms of thought process, discussion. Fair, like obviously today we had fair discussions. I let you guys chime in there. You guys can see the difference in in in, in my humility. Can you? Marty, can you give this guy a kiss? He went a little bit corporate today, a little bit. I still not a hundred percent. Give him a kiss for giving for being a little bit corporate. Come on, there it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that picture has put that. That's what. By the way, when this picture is going viral, this picture is no, going viral, on, especially if, especially if the Leafs in Calgary tied tonight. That's seven in a row for the Greek. All right, listen, listen right now, okay? Listen right now. Billy, when's your show with that uh, that uh, soon-to-be, uh, you know, unemployed person? Go ahead. Rumac and the Greek, Mondays at 7 p.m. usually, unless, uh, why unless one of... So why, should, why isn't it the Greek and Rumac? You, uh, you know what? Again, I respect my elders. Let's leave it at that. Rumac, 
the Borderline Hall of Famer, and yours truly, each and every Monday, well, depending on if one of us stiffs got to work for, for our minimum wage jobs and we can't make it. So usually we try to make it on Mondays at 7 p.m. for the better part. If not, we make adjustments. Uh, we uh, call audibles on the fly. Monday at 7 o'clock. This week we have a special guest, a good friend of mine, and, and obviously one of the one of the mainstays in terms of Woodbine Entertainment, sports personality, and kind of a really good guy, really, really good guy, Jason Porwando. So he'll be joining us, big Bruins fan. So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him to the woodshed, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it to him like I do to anybody else. I got no favors. We're friends off the air, but when we come on here, right, I'd like to go after Marty Roberts a little bit, man, and see what he's got, man. After all, this yours truly. I, I took an innocent young man that was camera shy, and I molded him. I raised the rookie sensation, and now I'm back to enjoying kind of the finished product, man. And every now and then, you know, right. pulled up here a little bit. All seriousness, uh, when you talk to Jason, ask him his thoughts on uh, Fitzroy Gordon. I, I remember Fitzroy unfortunately passed away, but uh, Jason was a big, big fan of uh, Fitzroy Gordon. And seriously, you could talk to him off air. He'll, he'll tell you, he'll get emotional about that, but uh, Fitzroy Gordon there also. Okay. So there it is. Uh, again, Billy, the Greek corporate G, like it says there, <laughs> thank God it doesn't say some other names of Martin Roberts. All right. So, uh, let's not, let's not, let's not start this journey, man. Hey, on no, a, on no, a, let's not take this backwards. On an ominous note, man. On an ominous note, as you guys know, there's a, there's an there's there's a large female contingent man that follows the fired up network. Let's let's, let's you know let's make sure we because and Billy, thank you for that because fired up network fem female empowerment movement is part of the fired up network. No, you're not going to be on fem. All right, get don't even ask me. That wasn't part of the negotiations, or else you had to pay more of uh, shekels in my pocket here. But hold Billy, on, hold on, hold on. You know what would be perfect for the female empowerment network? What would make for great TV? Honestly, I'm not telling you that it's me, but just as an idea out there, a real European male chauvinist, man, on that program, that's entertainment, baby. I'm going to tell it. I don't want to spoil the secrets, man. But when it comes to the lady, I'll tell it like it is, man. He spoiled it. I am talking to Norm Rumack about joining the Female Empowerment Movement Network fam. Because all the ladies need to sleep at night, have a good time, and everything like that. And, and, and everybody loves to hear what happened in 1977. <laughs> all right. well, let, let me tell you guys. Remember, tomorrow, 9.30 a.m., Sportsnet starts at 10. Big deal. Nobody's watching Sportsnet. They're watching Fired Up Network worldwide. We're going worldwide, 9.30 a.m. till about 5.30, 6 o'clock. Marty Roberts will be on here at about 10.15 and then again at 3 p.m. We're going to have a cast of thousands here. Mark Swalinski is going to join us. We're going to also have Taylor Woods. By the way, Billy, Taylor Woods right now is at the Arnold Schwarzenegger Strongman Competition. She could bench press you and Marty put together. Put it so, Marty, it, isn't that true? She's very, Wake up, very Marty. strong. She's a very strong lady. There's no question well, about that. If, if that's the case, if the if that's the case, as you suggest, what I foresee is perhaps the this young lady in the Greek exchanging uh, pleasantries, if you will, and maybe discussing her uh, her exploits in person over a uh, 
cappuccino on the Greek, of course, man. I'll bring the wallet. No you're problem. You're gonna pay. You're actually making good time money. Look at the look at the posters or pictures he has. Wait, I'm, gonna, wait, I'm gonna tell you how it goes with Billy. A couple years ago, he said, "Murray, let's go meet for Harvey's. I'm buying." We get there, <laughs> we order the food. Billy reaches in his pocket. Marty, I forgot my wallet at home. Guess who ended up paying? Me. I had hold to on, Marty. You got to count. That's a, that's a lot of gas money, buddy, up there to <laughs> part of the town, right? Yeah, we All met right. at Cookstown. All right. So All right. Again, sure enough. Nine thirty a.m. A lot of uh, and by the way, Billy, we're gonna have coffee presented to you by your good friend Mark Freitas. Mark Freitas is going to bring you coffee and donuts and and everything like that. Hold and, on. Okay, well, you know what? Actually, to tell you the truth. Because believe this or not, man, and you guys probably, especially the ladies out there, would be shocked to 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 find out that I'm like uh, probably the most eligible bachelor in the city. So I'm not the cleanest of guys, man. So if Friedrich, being a little guy, you know, team guy, right? If Friedrich can come over to the Greeks' residence, I got a stack of dishes and a stack <laughs> of laundry, man. If Friedrich can come over to the Greeks' residence, take that laundry. There's a coin laundry downstairs. And take care of business. It would be greatly appreciated, man. It would be greatly appreciated. No, I, I actually was going to give that to Eric Cohen to do for you. All right, not Freitas. Freitas only could get coffee. Eric Cohen does laundry, does his hair, even though he's bald. Everything like that. All right. Eric Cohen will be joining us. Also, Rod Mahood will be joining us. Of course, Rod, a very famous guy. He did uh, radio there and all that. He's an OHL expert. And we got that uh, Digit Murphy, the Don female Don Cherry. We got. So many other guys' plans, a lot of secret things, but from nine. The only problem you have, years. Joe, the only problem that I foresee that you might, um, uh, that might surface is that James Van Riemsdyk is the number one guy on the TSN trade board. I didn't want to say this, I didn't want to say this. Marty brought me, brought, brought a text here. If it does happen that we're going to go. Uh, maybe two or three trades during the whole trade. I'm going to call your good buddy, Norm Rumack, to put us all to sleep, talk about his soliloquies. And then you know what it's going to happen, Billy? I'm going to give him a Rumack shellac. A Rumack shellac. <laughs> every Monday at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live. The Rumack shellac. Check it out on Mondays. No, um, Marty, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. Twitter, Instagram, oldlefty22. You can follow me there. Best 15 minutes of your life, Marty. All right, uh, Billy, go ahead. Do you want to give out your corporate G? Uh, I don't. I give, I give out. I give out. I'm not on Twitter because I'm one of those guys that's got three followers, so I, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I don't I don't know my Instagram handle or password, man, because I'm a dinosaur. So I'm just a Facebook guy, messenger. So follow me, Billy the Greek, at uh, – just go on my page, follow me, and what, when you get there, what you'll see is an invitation from my life, what it is that I do, some of the laughs that I bring, and more importantly, most importantly, as a matter of fact, you come there each and every Leaf game, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen ahead of time. I've done it six times in a row. We're one period away from my head exploding. I called an overtime game today, and we all do this. On the House, sponsored by Nick Borshak, Carpets for Life. And again, I do, do this on the house because the truth is nobody will pay me yet. What else do I got to do, man? Three years of shooting 70% in football. My phone's not ringing. I call six games in a row in hockey. Nobody calls to say thank you. 
What the hell, man? Sometimes right, you know what I feel like I'm doing, man. Like another job. He's Marty. He's begging for another job. I'll give him another job. Saturday night here on the Fired Up Network again. Maple Leafs forever. We'll be back, Marty. What are you doing post game? 9.45, 10 p.m., the Maple Leafs, Vancouver Canucks. We'll be back here. Blur, Maple Leafs forever. Billy wanted it. Part of his negotiations was he has to be on more than Monday nights because there's no NFL football. What is he going to talk about? Croquet? Come on. On Mondays. First of all, if you and Rumac change the days, maybe you have a uh, production, maybe you have more graphics and everything like that. I'm just saying, all right? All right, Marty, any last words? No, right? Let me get to bed, Joseph, because I got to get up in the morning. Got to go watch a little hockey, then you, come you, back. I'm doing 12 hours. You want to go to bed? All right, Billy. Last I'm getting off my seat, though, Joseph. You're not. Yeah. You're, you, you, the truth is, Billy, you know this. You have to go to the toilet. All right. So, Billy, uh, your last word in Greek. Tell everybody bye in Greek. Fries. What's his name? The uh, Mark. Is his name Mark Freitas? Yeah, Freitas, yes. Mark Freitas, open challenge. You haven't seen you in a in a couple of years. Almost forgot your name. I called you Larry Freitas. Bill, Jim Freitas, whatever you are, little man. I got a bone to pick with you. If you're watching Saturday night, come on the come on the uh the um come hang with the Greek Marty Roberts and Double J Saturday night Frito Frioli man. I got a bone to pick with you, and I'm gonna do it face to face, Paul. Wait, that's not what he said in Greek. What he said in Greek is Mark, the key is under the mat, lock up when you're done. So for everybody here on the Fired Up Network tonight, this has been the flagship show of the Fired Up Network, Fired Up Live. Stay tuned tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. for the NHL trade deadline show. Thanks a lot, guys.